Welcome back to the Lost Joystick Network episode 42. I'm your host, Mike, joined as always in studio by my friend Jay. Jay, say hello. Did I get demoted from co host? You said your friend. You got promoted to friend. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So joining me is also Jay. And a special guest is joining us remotely. Mr. Michael Chiaramonti, Clearvis himself. Say hello again. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you? Amazing. That that's 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 great that you feel good. I feel great. I I, can be amazinger, but I'm not there with you guys. Yeah, for those who don't know, the original intent was that Mike was going to come into town. He had a business trip and was going to visit the the LJN studio and be on site for this episode. And we changed our whole schedule. We're here a week early. We're doing all this stuff. And then he couldn't even fucking show up. Hey, listen, (laughs) you know what? I'm worth it. But yes, he is worth it. So here we are. We're still here. No, no, we obviously are very disappointed that you couldn't make it. I know you are as well. So yeah. we will, we'll figure that out another time. It sounds like that those, those things may happen, uh, you know, at some point, hopefully in the near future. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with all that being said, generally we would kick it off with how our week was or weeks, but in this case it is week. So it is a week. I'm going to give the honors to our esteemed colleague, Mr. Kiaramonte. I probably should introduce you properly, right? So, Michael Caramonti, NES YouTube superstar from a developer perspective, right? Also, uh, Clearvis on Instagram and on Discord, I believe. And what other yep. social media you got out there, uh, Mike? That's really, I mean, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but mostly I'm just, you know, reading stuff and retweeting stuff, not too much actual posting. That's me too. All right, very good. So tell me a little bit about how your week was, sir. It was good. It was a, it was a busy week. Um, had some, some work stuff going on, shenanigans with people coming into the office for some reason, you know, like that whole being in office thing. I don't know what that's all about. That shit's overrated. Um, I know. <laughs> so a lot of um, in-person meetings instead of Zoom meetings. I said to my wife, I said, you know, I forgot how exhausting it is to socialize with people in person. <laughs> I I just had the same conversation with a coworker. We do a yearly sales kickoff. I'm on the pre-sales side as an engineer for the company I work for. And she and I were talking. She and I are peers, same job. And she's like, I can't believe we have to go back and do this for a whole week. I have to like be quote unquote on in front of everybody yep. I work with and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, I agree. It is the worst. I hate it. Like, I don't mind being around people, but I want to limit my <laughs> exposure to that most times. <laughs> don't you hate pants? <laughs> Tell them to burn your pants. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the yeah, Canyon era. <laughs> it's true. It's, you know, it's, um, and if they hadn't dr- driven a dump truck full of money up to my house, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah, exactly. No. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, no, they drove a dump was, truck full of money up to my house. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It Welcome was, to the Simpsons a, a Joystick time. Network. Yeah, the Simpsons Joystick. <laughs> the Lost Simpsons Network. 
Mm, uh, it was a fun time, uh, but but it's good to uh, it's good to uh, not have to travel and be away. And so, as as sad as I am that I'm not going to be there because of the trip being changed up, I'm actually also sort of glad to just be home and you know in my little hobbit hole here, um, away from people. Yeah, because you know what I thought to myself. I thought you still could have showed up. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding, I could have, yeah. no, the, the, yeah, like I, I told you, it's like, you know, there was a lot going on. I, I, oh, if, yeah. if I hadn't been, if I hadn't been, um, in the office every day last week and, and, you know, um, we even, I even stayed at overnight a few nights just to avoid having to commute in, um, after, you know, whatever, uh, activities they had for everybody. I, I probably would have, I probably would have just booked it, but no, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, but. All right. Anything else before we move on to somebody else's week? <laughs> Your week was boring and terrible. Tell us about something else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll top that. Moving on. Yeah, my beer. No, I'm, that, was, that was it. I was looking I forward know. to being on the podcast, but now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's good talking to you. We hung up on Mike. He's gone now. Click. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that sounded way worse when it came out than it was in my head. Yeah, exactly. So... What else you got, Mike? Anything else going on this week? No, no, that's good. Let's go to Jay. Oh, good. Yeah, okay, cool. Jay, how about you? How was your week? As I said, hold my beer. I don't have a beer. I have a mixed drink. Yeah? I watched Super Bowl. How did it go? Good. A team won and a team lost. Were you enthused with the result or were you disappointed? No, I was pretty happy with the results. Okay, cool. So I was, I was kind of rooting for Kansas City. Spoiler alert, Kansas City won the Super Bowl. If you're listening to this months later in your car, and if anybody, Kansas City won the Super Bowl. And if anybody wants to know, John did rejoice with some ribs. Yeah, yeah, I heard there was fireworks going on. He's off. a big fan of the sports ball, so. Yeah, yeah. That's really all I did, though. I, I uh, watched Super Bowl. I actually watched Super Bowl with a good friend, Harrison. <laughs> no, I went over to your place, watched Super Bowl. Ate yeah, some but, uh, tenderloin. Yeah, we sure did. We had a, we had a nice bold little... Chex Mix. We need to talk about that real quick. I just want to throw it out there. If you're not going to eat bold Chex Mix, I, and I get there's other flavors. I'm talking about just the standard Chex Mix. If you're not eating bold Chex Mix, just buy a box of fucking Chex. Yeah. It's a waste of time. I don't really get you people that eat that. like regular. Bo- yeah, it's like if you're going to give me regular Chex Mix, you better give me a bottle of like garlic salt and a bottle or, you know, a, a, a bottle of uh Worcestershire sauce or something, yeah. because what's the point? You're just eating checks at that point. Can I so. get some checks and pretzels? Can you get some pretzels in my sure. breakfast cereal? Yeah. That sounds awful. Would you like a glass of milk with that? You know who might like that? Who? Tyler. <laughs> yeah, he probably would. Give me rice checks with uh, pretzels. I like that. <laughs> bowl, that bowl checks a little too spicy yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, we have to call it the big game. You can't call it the Super Bowl. So, Jay, wait, no, I'm not promoting anything. Am I? <laughs> I never. We don't get paid. You know what you got to do is you got to dub it over, and it's like I really enjoyed watching the Kansas City. (laughs) You got to do the the Atlanta Falcons. (laughs) Ever since I was a kid, I used to root for the Atlanta Falcons. (laughs) Anyway, all right. We could put a registered trademark of the NFL on our episode. Yeah, (laughs) not for long. When you pull shit like that, is what that that stands for. (laughs) Touche. Mike, how was your week? I thought you'd never ask. I, too, watched the Super Bowl. Did you? No, but I don't need to now because you told me how it ended. I'm sorry. 
No, I did. I was, I was happy. I wanted the Chiefs to win. So whatever. This is now the sports talk past the podcast. I wanted the chefs to win. That's right. Um, other than that, uh, work Craig was Googly, Googly. Yeah, Craig Googly, exactly. Such a good commercial. He knows. I knew. I knew Kiermonte would know that one. We're right in lockstep, the three of us. So. <laughs> I took a trip down to a local video game store. I'll elaborate on that in the collecting update. That was fun. I went with our friend Matty Ice. So spent a good chunk of my Saturday running around doing that. What else did I do? Valentine's Day was fairly uneventful. So it was, you know, regular week. Work. Did you celebrate Valentine's Day? Yeah. Oh, Amy's a teacher. What do you think? <laughs> like, that's all she does is, like, celebrate the most minor of holidays. Like, it's uh-huh. what they do, man. Okay. Uh, is your wife a teacher, Mike? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, she is. Because that laugh told me everything I needed to know. <laughs> How much? No, it, yeah. she's she's actually the, the opposite, though. She, for, for years, was like, Valentine's Day is dumb. Uh, yeah. So, so um, I, I've kind of, like, scaled back all the stuff that we would, that we might normally do. Um, but what we did actually do, uh, we did get brunch on Monday. We did it oh. a day early because our, our three-year-old has school, so we could actually ah. like sit and talk and and not be interrupted every five seconds. That's that's all you can ask for at that age. Yep. <laughs> so with all that said, I think it's time to move into the collecting update. Can I call you Mike? Yeah. Good, because I just did. Let's start with you. What do you what do you would you pick up? I know one thing you picked up we can discuss. But beyond yeah. that, <laughs> what else did you pick up? So we'll do recent pickups because I'm not gonna go through all the useless shit I bought since the last time we, we did an episode. I mean <laughs> amazing collectibles. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, investments, yeah. Mike. Yes, yes. <laughs> They're all investments. So I think, let's see, highlights. Um, I got the gold foil versions of Oracle of Ages and Seasons. For those of you who don't know, those two games can have two different variants. There is a square boxed uh, bottom version that has a shiny tree and Zelda logo behind it. Mm-hmm. And then um, there is a non square bottomed uh, Y fold version that is just like, it, it still, it still looks good, but it is not reflective shiny. So that's a really cool variant of those games. For the longest time, I thought I actually had those because the regular gold ones are, you know, still pretty nice looking. But I, then I, then I saw the real ones. I was like, Oh, shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and those are the ones that I've had since the game launched back in, you know, 2001. Because uh, they were they were both a Christmas gift for my parents. Nice. Um, see what else. Uh, so, I don't know. I got into buying unpopulated, unused PCBs for some reason. You can buy unused PCBs for the Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Advance, oh. and Nintendo and Nintendo DS, and they're 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 the full, um, like 
un, unseparated PCBs. So I just, I don't know. There was something about that that I thought was cool. That's neat. Um, a couple, yeah, a couple of years ago I found like literally just a huge giant stack of unused PCBs for microvision cartridges at a, a giant flea market in Connecticut. And that's kind of what made me think about that uh, when I, when I found those back in the back in the closet and I was like, Oh crap, that would be really cool. And so I, I managed to find, you know, like I said, the ones on eBay that were overpriced and then the ones on AliExpress are the same, but they're like half the price for the most part. So that was pretty cool. I got a decent copy of Mario Kart for super Nintendo complete in box because I didn't have that one. So now I've got all the Mario Kart games. I bought a ridiculously huge 10 CD box set of dragon quest music because why not i guess (laughs) i mean and then i struggle with the same affliction that you do where it's like ephemera related to the things i love especially if they're of the era but they don't always have to be i'm like okay (laughs) i'll buy this box of macaroni and cheese that has link on it or something whatever it is you know some stupid thing where i'm just like <sighs> I guess I'm buying that. Yeah, this like was, this was just mostly because uh, I saw it at a, a store here in in New York, and they were charging some ridiculous amount for it. And then on eBay, it was like again half the price, right? Even with shipping and tax. And I was like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll buy that. And it was shipped from Japan. And it was brand new instead of being opened. That was a neat pickup. The music is really good. Yeah, I bet it is. Um, I I got into not heavily, but I buy like. Like we talked about, I'll buy soundtracks. So, you know, like for, for on vinyl for video games, right? And, yeah. and yeah, it's it's true. I have a few, not that many. I really don't, and I've just found out one of them has gotten pretty expensive. They, those are the things that if you buy them on vinyl and you just wait like a year, they'll they'll get expensive. But I do the same mm-hmm. thing. So anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. And then the last thing that's just kind of cool to mention, and I. I don't, I don't know if anybody cares about this, but me, but I think, you know, and folks who follow me and, and, uh, talk to me on like the collector's quest discord know that I collect all the ogre battle tactics, ogre games. So I've got the complete, uh, U S set of, of all of those games, uh, you know, super Nintendo and 64 game boy advance across all the U S platforms. And some of the, some of the Japanese systems too, including there's a Game Boy, sorry, um, a Neo Geo Pocket Color game mm-hmm. that was uh, not released here. I got that. So just randomly, just before I was about to delete my save search for Tactics Ogre, this popped up. It's a special edition Tactics Ogre for GBA, the Knights of Lotus box. It's just like a wooden, weird random wooden box. It's like it's, it's made like of a wood? Jewelry box. Okay. Yeah, it's it's made of real wood. Um, it's it's like a jewelry box, mm-hmm. and it comes with the Japanese Game Boy Advance game in it. Uh, you know, complete in box, and it's I don't know. It was just such a weird thing to pop up, and then <laughs> it turns out that there's a there's a version of that for it was sold in the Lawson's um, convenience store, which is like kind of like a Seven Eleven okay. type store. Um, so that's the version that I got, but apparently there's a Famitsu version mm. also, um, I, and that box is red instead of like this beige color. It it drives um, me nuts that Japan gets all this cool stuff, like right, you know, like the Dragon Warrior sl- uh, Metal Slime 
DSs or whatever the hell they had. You know, all that, the Final Fantasy console. They get all the cool stuff, and I'm like, ah, if I really just wanted to spend the rest of my life collecting things, I could never run out of things to find. I think you feel the same way, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just keep looking at all the... Every time a listing goes up for the Chrono Trigger, bleh, Chrono Trigger V Jump yeah. version yep. or the demo cartridge, the yeah. November third demo cartridge, and, and yeah. yeah, I know. I'm I'm always like, hmm, I should watch that, and then I watch it, and I'm like, I'm not bidding that much. <laughs> I did that yeah. last night on Heritage Auctions. <laughs> did you bid that much? I bid a little bit, and then I'm like, you people are nuts. Like I'm good on all this. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about it later. But okay. anyway. Very cool. Yeah, that's no, I, I, I believe I also have a copy of a uh, tactics ogre sitting at the house that I expected to hand to you today, <laughs> but now I have to send to you, which I most certainly will. Um, I kind of was like, okay, now I'm off the hook. I don't have to ship it. And I still have to reconcile yeah, him helping me with some other stuff. And, yeah. uh, I have not forgotten, but, uh, I was, I expected that I would just hand it to him. And now that has unfortunately gone to the wayside. So well, anyway. you're again. Yeah, curses. Um, Foiled again. <laughs> yeah. Valdor, I, I actually just picked up that Cophead Yoshitaka Amano Collector's Edition that they, they just announced. Oh, yeah, Amazon, yeah. Amazon Japan. I've never played I mean, Cuphead. I need to. It's one of those games I know I'll get into and I'll spend <laughs> I'll spend a lot of time on, I can just tell. Yep. Yeah, so. it's it's blisteringly hard. Yeah. I know. That's why I, that's part of the fun with it though. I I love the graphical style of it too, so Yep. <sighs> Anything else of note? Uh, well, you did. You did get one other thing. I know you got. Are we talking about pre-orders or? I mean, we don't have to. <laughs> we'll talk about it another um, time. I, I managed to grab uh, the pre-order for the Tears of the Kingdom Collector's Edition. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy that that's still so difficult to get collector's editions, and and that one in particular. The only reason I'm getting it is because I'm I've got all these other Zelda games that I'm staring at, and it's my favorite series. And it's kind of like it's it's kind of a ripoff for 130 bucks. I'm, it, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm gonna you know sounds like I'm gonna get one. Thank Tears you. Tears of the Kingdom. That's but, that uh, Nintendo game, right? Yes. Ah. Yeah, yeah. The seventy dollars Switch game. No, I thought it was the regular NES game. The old Nintendo. Oh, I see. You should have said NES. That's being funny. You ruined it. I ruined it? You ruined it. I think your joke was uh, malformed. Mm. <laughs> no? No, you don't think so? Didn't say How Switch. How about we try it again? Nintendo. Let's try again. You ready? Take two. Tears of the Kingdom. That's that new Switch game, right? No, it's on NES. Ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I sit here. It's well worth $70. I... I can't disagree. So with that, should we move on to Jay to discuss collecting? Yes, please. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, for the love of God, yes. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear about how much money I'm spending anymore. <laughs> exactly. That's why I hate talking about it all the time. I'm supposed to give McKenna a shout out again. Oh, she wants these every week. I think I just need to cool. start Do it. at the beginning of the show. What, you should. You should start off when we say, how was your week? Say it was good. And then say, hi, McKenna. Hi, McKenna. Go, go, go give it a run. And then you know what? If you forget, I can Just edit call it. Crazy in. Carl. That's right. I forgot it's Crazy Carl. Crazy Carl. So did, what did you and Crazy Carl buy this week? Frosties. Okay. Ooh, Slurpees. We didn't buy Frosties. We had oh, okay. Slurpees. Yeah, yeah. It's Blue kinda, raspberry and cherry. That's the good mix. There you go. It's a quality mix. Quality mix. Did you buy anything? I actually did. What? 
That never gets old. It's never going to get old. I ordered The Decline by NoFX, and it will be here next week. It's only like 15 bucks. So you got The Decline by NoFX, which I love that song, and I love, uh, it's, yes. it, you know, it's uh, that record, that 12-inch record, I guess is what it would be. Mm-hmm. John's a big fan. I know that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know, Caramonte, are you a big uh, skate punk fan? You hipsters and your vinyl. <laughs> See, I don't know if I, you can be I'm, a hipster if you're of age to have purchased it new on vinyl. So <laughs> anyway, um, I'm I'm not, but I I do I do enjoy collecting the occasional vinyl. They never go down in price. I can tell you that. Nope. <laughs> they certainly don't. Says you. Well, I'm I'm telling you, old Maddie Ice. I found out I have uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. The Mondo soundtrack that they oh, put yeah, out. Yeah. That thing was, I think I paid $14 for it two years ago. Not even two years ago. A year and a half, two years ago. It's over 200 bucks now. Goo! <laughs> yeah. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I haven't opened mine, so that's why mine's more. But it's also a $150 record. I will give point. you $28 for it. I'll double what you pay. Nope. I want 10 bucks or four, six Dairy Queen coupons. Sold. <laughs> anyway. I'll give you 10 bucks and six Dairy wow, Queen coupons. Wow, wow, okay. Uh, did you buy anything else? Man's got to eat. Man's got to eat. No. No? That's it? No. All right. It's only been a week since we've talked. I know. So I'm just going to assume that you guys want me to discuss what I purchased next. Um, well, you are the third on the list here, and you are one of the three on the show. That's correct. So I would say go ahead. Okay. What did you get, Michael? <laughs> did you get anything? A couple things. Really? I did. What did you get? The stuff from Japan finally showed up. Give me what it you did, got. Didn't take that long. I, I had a consolidated package I got from Bayi. had won three auctions. It all showed up, I think, uh, late last week, right after. Uh, nah, I don't remember. Whatever. Who cares? And it had a complete in box Super Famicom. Yes. It had the AV. And now this is interesting. Of the era, vintage AV and AC adapters that were made by Hori, including it's the Hori like long AV cable, mm-hmm. which apparently like those are not super cheap. Like they're not expensive, but it's certainly more than a regular Super Nintendo cable. So I have a complete box Super Famicom and those two th- items. And then I got like 50 games, which was literally like all bangers. It was all Super Mario yeah. World and you know just all the stuff that people are going to want. Final Fantasy VI, all that stuff. Most of that stuff is really just to never go to. Of it. What never heard of it. So Final Fantasy VI was actually Final Fantasy III in the United States. No, anyway. Wow. Yeah, see, yeah. Six I never heard of. Seven I played. It's the question about the power cord. They make it extra long. No, it's not the power cord. The AV cable. I thought you said power cord, too, the AC adapter. I don't know if the AC adapter had the extra long. The AV did. Did they do that because they made their uh, controller cord shorter? We'll just bring the whole thing closer to you. It was certainly of the of the era, like, I know Atari cables were very long, like the AC adapters at times were yeah. very, very long, so maybe, I don't know. Well, just, I mean, the... Because of the short the cables. The Super Famicom... Yes, uh, the controller... The controller cables are shorter than yep. Super Nintendo. Which I have a nice one of those also for our friend Mr. Kiramonte set aside. you have like 700 of those still? I have a box <laughs> of those that I'm, I'm literally... I oh, think what I'm... Those need to go, too. I think I'm going to take them to Midwest Gaming Classic and just put a sign on the table that says, Super Famicom controllers oem super Famicom controllers 10 bucks and see if who or, buys them. Queen or or two for 15 because i got a, i got like 70 of them for a, about a dollar a piece i think is what it wound up costing me and they wow. sit they're just yeah they're just sitting in a in my storage right now so uh, yeah <laughs> oh god so yeah so what i bought i should probably elaborate got all that stuff in 
I went to, so Saturday I got up and my plan was Amy was gone for the weekend. Her and the girls had a dance convention they had to go to. So it was just me at the house Friday night and Saturday morning, which was glorious. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wake up at like 7am on Saturday because you know, I, nobody's around and I have, I'm old now. So I wake up at like 7am and I'm like, Oh, you know what I should do is go downstairs and start like pricing these super Famicom games, start getting that stuff ready. So instead of doing that, <laughs> I looked at all of them, the consoles I have down there, this bevy of consoles that I've, I've repaired, you know, they're ready to go. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe I should just, because I haven't touched them in about six months. Let me test some of these and I'm going to take them down to Retro Taku. They open at 11 o'clock. Retro Taku is a used video game store down in Madison Heights here in Michigan, about an hour, 45 minutes from the house, something like that. So I messaged you. You were unavailable. I was. I said, hey, you want to jump in the car? You, you couldn't do it. You had, you had things going on. No problem. You had stuff with the fan. You had, you had Crazy Carl stuff. Did. So I messaged old Matty Ice and said, hey, man, do you want to go down there? He was over in Davison. You know. And he said, I'm a loser. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I'm a loser if I come hang with you. So sure. So he cruises over. We leave at 10. And I brought... So I brought with, and it's funny because I tested all this before I left. I took two of the eight Model 2 Sega CDs I had. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I did this was because they actually give you good value on the trades there. Their prices are not ridiculous on, on used, you know, retro games. And they actually give you good trade value on stuff. So I took two Sega CD Model 2s. I took two NESs. I took a Genesis 2 just because it was connected to one of the Model 2s. You just didn't feel like taking it apart. Well, that's what I used to test it, so I'm like, well, like, bring this. Eh, fuck it. <laughs> they'll probably test it all at once, and if there's a problem, they'll never know. No, what else? I brought a couple other consoles, and they wound up giving me... I took a, The weirdest part was I took a Saturn with me that worked. Literally, it was the last thing I tested before I left. I took it down. He's like, it won't load Daytona, and I'm like, what? what you, I literally just tested this like before I got in the car. Did you say, that's the problem? Yeah. It's Daytona. I didn't. I didn't. I should have. I should have said that. You should have. But I, I, I you need to insert an awkward cut of this episode of the LJN Network podcast is brought to you by Richard Daku. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe because I started to get to know what well, as I stood there, we got there early, you know, they, as they opened and nobody was really around. And I, I, you know, I started to get to know the guys there. Seth and Devin were the people working. Seth is the manager. I'm not sure if he's the owner, but he definitely runs the store. And, and Devin also works there. And, you know, we just started to talk and we, we, Matt was with us. So we were shitting all over the Nintendo 64, which was great. And, and then, you know, they, they're like, okay, you know, like I just, I start to explain to him, like, I buy these retro, you know, I buy these lots of Super Famicom games from Japan. I have them shot over here, but I wind up with all this bulk stuff and they sell some of that. Like they have like J League Excite Soccer and Super Femista Baseball on their shelves. And they have, you know, they have a lot of, they do deal with imports, PC Engine stuff. A lot of people around here don't know it, but they, they do. And I think it's because Seth is is a fan of it. So I said, I've got like, I mean, it's got to be 300 plus boxed Famicom, Super Famicom games that are all like five to $15 that I just am never going to sell at a show, like a business uh, simulator or an airplane simulator, or those kind of things that like the horse racing, thoroughbred racing, Mahjong games or the the weird uh, slot games that have like the sexy anime girls on the front to sell it or whatever. So I, those I kept, but what are you like? No. So you're like six carts away from a full super Famicom set, <laughs> no. right? No, I am not. Jesus, by the amount you have in the basement, you would think you, are. you would think I was, but oh, those are for sorry. sale. Those are all for sale. So I'm, I put together, I'm going to put together. Cause I asked him, I said, Hey, would you be interested? And he's like, yeah. So I'm like, man, I was about ready not to give them away, but try to almost give them away. I'm like, if I could get a 
buck or a two for each of these things in trade and get $600 store credit for three boxes of stuff that I just, I would almost want to just throw out at this point that I don't think anybody would ever buy. So he, he said, bring it down. And he, you know, we got to chat and he's, there's a game he's looking for. I'm going to try and help him find and, and all that good stuff. But the moral of the story is I traded all the stuff in, got a good chunk of store credit and I picked up a bunch of stuff really just to take the Midwest Gaming Classic. It was very not exciting stuff, but it, but I the one thing I did get for, for myself was <laughs> Wheel of Fortune on Sega CD. Did you play it? I haven't played it yet because you haven't come over. I told you I promised you I wouldn't. All right. So anyway, but the, the stuff I picked up was really more of, <laughs> yeah, Tiger Wolf says, the complete Koei Super Famicom collection. Yeah. That's right. And if you want any of them, I'll pick out whatever you want. The maps, those things are always beautiful. And I have the maps, the inserts, everything's there. So let me know what you want. But but uh, most of the stuff I got was I got a complete in box Streets of Rage 1 and 2 for the sake of Genesis. I got Sonic 2 and 3 complete in box for Genesis, yeah. NBA Jam CD for or NBA Jams for Sega CD and Mortal Kombat for Sega CD. All this is stuff I already have. It's all going with me just to sell at the show. Do you not have enough to bring with you already? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think this is a question everybody wants to know. I'll say this. Because I know the answer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. My, my fear, and I don't know if you've ever done this kind of stuff, Mike, but when you do a show like this, my fear is that I'm not going to bring enough stuff. Jeez. Right? So I'm like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to get there and not make it worth my time or whatever it is. I have no yeah. fear of that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring hundreds of boxed Super Famicom games and good stuff. I mean, you've seen it. It's piles of like th- things that people would find interesting from an American perspective. Yeah. Space Invaders right. or or Final Fantasy games. Even if you can't play them, the Dragon Quest games are all there. That's that, Street Fighter yeah. Zero. Street Fighter Street Fighter Zero Two. I have. I have all the Mega Mans that are boxed. I've got Mega Man and Forte. Those kinds of things that people definitely want. The Super Mario Worlds. Just the hits. Right. The list goes on. But the, I just have so much of it, and I'm like, man, I do not need to get on by. And then I'll go jump on by and see what's going on. So anyway. There you go. <laughs> but that's that's pretty much what I picked up. It was pretty uneventful, other than I think I'm going to go back down there. And, oh, I should probably say this, too. I haven't talked about it yet. Bobby and I are going to do a little excursion on Saturday. Oh, Retro Bobby's coming. Uh, I'm going down to his house, and you are more than invited, I'm sure. But I don't think you're going to want to do it. I'm going to go down to Bobby's on Saturday and we're going to go hit a bunch of game stores in Ohio. And I'll also be picking up all my stuff from my buddy, John at, at Rock'em Sock'em that went to that museum months ago. You want to go? No, I didn't think you would. Okay. So yeah, we're going to pile in the car and head down to hit all the video game stores in probably Northern to mid, mid Ohio and then head back. You know what I'm thinking? That you're not going to go. No. Yeah. I knew that. I'm going to sit in the basement list of records. That's a good call. But anyway, Jay is, Jay is invited. See, I knew he would be retro, Bobby. Well, thank it you, Bobby. Pops up in the chat. No, as I, I mentioned do have him. So no, I do. I do have some some plans for the weekend. That's no problem. Very good. So, Mike, would you want to fulfill our, our your destiny of enlightening our uh, our viewers and listeners to what the show topic is for this week? Oh, are you talking to me? I am. <laughs> he was falling asleep. No, no, no. I'm just talking. We are talking about, of course, you know, no big deal. Uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Pretty mediocre game. Yeah. I mean, I think my rating will reflect that. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm going to. But no, I'm in all seriousness. <laughs> no, we're yes. As uh, as Mr. As Mr. Clearvis says, we're doing the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Woo! Ooh, I think Mike might be excited about that one. 
<laughs> As he should be, damn it. So, let's get into the release of this game. So, Japan released it November 21st, 1991. And I'm going to butcher this. So, I can, I'm going to go I'll ahead and it. entertain you in that one. I'll say it. Oh. So, Zelda no Densetsu Kamigami no Triforce, which translates to The Legend of Zelda Triforce of the Gods. Triforce of the Gods. <laughs> Sounds like a good metal album. It actually really does. It does. It, look, that sounds like somewhere where Trogdor would live. Trogdor. What about North America? <laughs> I think you already told us that, actually. April 13th, 1992. I did not. Oh. And then, of course, Europe's the last to know. <laughs> September 24th, 1992. Could you imagine? Hey, you know, they're lucky they yeah. got it. Yeah, he's, that he's, is true. He's right. Could you imagine being in Europe and, like, <sighs> every time, man, you just get shit on where you're like, well, I've heard this game is awesome for like four years. <laughs> There's got to be a, you know, I guess to be fair, Super Nintendo wasn't very big there, or the SNES as they call it. Genesis was more, Sega was more popular, microcomputers were more popular, so that might be. So they were stuck with Kid Chameleon. We got Zelda. <laughs> Don't start that beef again. <laughs> they had altered beast. Let's bring up all those games that everybody hates us on. So anyway, all right, it is time to discuss. The gameplay and story of The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I'm going to leave this in the able hands of the person who suggested this game. And that is our friend, Michael Caramonte. Sir, the floor is yours. All right. So I'm going to start up with a, a little bit of a buildup to when this game was released and my personal experience with it, because um, I think... I don't know. I don't know how how to contextualize it any other way because this this game was a pretty big deal. Um, Zelda two. I think a lot of people were disappointed with it. I wasn't personally. It was just a different Zelda game. Um, you know, different style, hard as hell. Um, but I still was happy to have it. Um, and then, you know, Nintendo Power started uh, dripping and, and drabbing uh, rumors about the Super Nintendo. And it was one of those things where, you know, you're kind of watching every every issue to see, like, what games were coming out. Um, you mean, like, what they, Europeans do with everything as it related to video <laughs> games back then? Right, but all they get is the magazines where it shows the cool <laughs> games that we get. Exactly. Um, Damn, this issue of Nintendo Power is fire. Look at all the Japanese and American people playing the fun video games you so wish happy. you had. It's it's the uh, yeah, it's the uh, SpongeBob and Patrick meme where Squidward's staring out the window, and that's like yeah. the United States and Japan, and like that's Europe. <laughs> Squidward is Europe <laughs> playing his flute, uh, clarinet. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's fine. So I did not have a Super Nintendo at launch. I really wanted one. Um, but it was one of those things where my parents weren't crazy about video games in the first place. And so I got my Nintendo because my aunt and uncle bought me a Nintendo. Um, and similarly, uh, they were responsible for me getting a Super Nintendo. Uh, but that wasn't until the Christmas of 1992. 
Um, now, one thing that I remember leading up to, so that, you know, they, they, they kind of soft announced Zelda three in, uh, Nintendo power. Yep. I remember being super excited about that. One thing they did, and I can't find the information about this. So maybe somebody who's watching the show will know, but the summer of 92, Nintendo did a tour or in various malls in the US where they set up kiosks with Super Nintendos and you could play different games in the mall uh, and one of the games was Zelda 3 and it was like a 10 minute demo I, I think like I I barely made it into Hyrule Castle uh, before the game reset itself I, um, yeah I remember I remember another, I was listening to a podcast where they mentioned this some time ago where like that's how they would promote the Super Nintendo right they were promoting like that you would have to go stand in this long ass line to play the game at a mall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember, I don't remember how they, how they even told anybody about this. I feel like there might've been a poster up at the mall at some point, like letting people know. I just remember that I, I was able to go and I was able to play, um, you know, the beginning of Zelda three. And I just, it's hard to contextualize it, like I said before, because the the jump from the NES to the Super Nintendo was such a huge increase in like graphical fidelity um, and music, and then you layer that on with the fact that Zelda Three, the opening of the game, is so just different in tone and like there's like actual storytelling. Yep. And well, they I were just, trying to do that with the first one, but we didn't read it. <laughs> it was right. It was scrolling, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I get the arrows? Right, right. But it was. It wasn't. It also wasn't part of the game necessarily. No. So, so it was such a such a total, totally different feeling. Um, and I just remember being just like kind of stunned. Um, I think I played through the the demo, you know, the 10 minute demo, like twice before they were like, all right, kid, you got to get off this thing. Um, uh, but I, you know, it left a really strong impression with me because it was just such a, such a, such a huge change and such a, like the scale, the scale and the scope of the game felt like impossible. Like how the hell could they have made this, you know, what is, what is going on? This is some sort of evil sorcery and I'm never going to get to play this because I'm never getting a super Nintendo. That was like, (laughs) that was kind of like what I remember feeling at the time. Um, and then, and then later on that year for Christmas, um, I was, I, I very distinctly remember opening specifically, uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past and being stunned because I didn't know I was getting a Super Nintendo. So I got the game (laughs) before I got the system and I had to go to, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm imagining you sitting there at Christmas and you're like, you hate me. You knew I wanted this, and now I have it, and I can't play it. Like you're just like, you know. At that point, I'm guessing you're like in your early to mid teens or something like that. Oh no! I mean, well, yeah. I guess what am I like twelve at the time? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but you're just yeah, like so. the whole world hates me. They're out to get me. What is this? You is this some sort of cruel joke, Dad? I just I remember opening it and being like wait, what? Yeah. And, and, uh, and then my mom was like, well, 
you know, my best friend at the time had gotten one for Hanukkah, gotten a Super Nintendo for Hanukkah. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, I remember telling my parents about it and being just like excited about it. And, and, you know, my mom was like, well, your, your aunt and uncle, so they wanted to get it for you and your, your friend got one. And we originally, originally we said no, but then, you know, and then we, we changed our mind and, and we got you the game. We knew you wanted this game. So it was like, you know, so then I'm, I'm, you know, doing the thing you did where you're in the car reading the manual because like, that's yeah, all you course. can do in the car ride. So, of course. So I just remember being like enthralled with the manual as we're going to my uncle's house and he lived probably almost an hour away at the time. Oh my God. Yeah. Torture. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I, I got there and I knew that I was getting it. So it was super exciting. And it was just a, it was just such an amazing feeling to know that I was going to play this game that was just beyond anything I remember ever experiencing uh, in a video game before. That, that is, Um, that is awesome. Yeah. I, now I'm now I'm thinking that you're under the tree, like unwrapping a present, and it's the Zelda Game and Watch. And they're like, "We heard you wanted the Zelda game, and that's the one that they found." And you're yeah, like, no. "Oh, cool." I think that would have actually taken some effort to find because like, <laughs> fair, fair. That, that wasn't a pretty that was. I don't know. Like my cousin had some of those Game and Watches, but like I don't remember ever seeing seeing them in the store. Yeah, so we were never yeah, looking for them either, though. Yeah, I think they just like went to the store and was like, "We want Zelda for the new Nintendo." That's exactly <laughs> the, what they said. Yeah, and the person at the store was like, "Oh yeah, here you go." Um, We're out, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so. sorry. Good. That is awesome. That's a fantastic story. It's very. Well, I'll get to mine when we get to the uh, the LGN game reviews. But yeah, it's a <clears throat> familiar story. So, so, okay. So why is this relevant? I think it's relevant because I think it's hard not for for me not to look back at the game with a lot of nostalgia. It's just, you know, that kind of like a formative game for me. So one of the things that I said uh, I did before this podcast is I played through the game completely again, because I haven't actually, I hadn't actually played through it completely since I don't know, since I was a kid, like you'd st- I'd start it and play it for like a mm-hmm. few hours and then I'd start it over again, you know, for a few hours. So I really wanted to like play through it fresh. Um, and it's funny how many things I actually forgot about the game in the however many years intervening, you know, 30 years now. But then I'm you remembered, right? You forgot, right. but oh, then immediately yeah, you were yeah. like, oh, but then I'm supposed to go do this. And it became like this second nature thing, right? Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. Go ahead. Yeah. So let's talk about the gameplay. You know, in, in some ways, this is just a return to what they did in Zelda 1. And I, I know I've heard people like kind of criticize it for that and say, oh, you know, it's a little bit lazy. People didn't like Zelda 2 or they were Zelda 2 was not as popular as the first Zelda. And so they decided to go back to the approach of Zelda 1 because that, that game was more well-received and more popular. Do you, let me ask I, you a question as we talk about the gameplay. What was the first Zelda game you played? The first one. The first one. And then the second and then the third. Yeah. I've okay. played them in order since they've been coming out. When you look at it now, and we'll get into this too later, I'm, I'm sure. Doesn't it feel like it was like a reset? Almost like we get that people didn't necessarily like this. Maybe it wasn't that bad like two I'm talking about, right? But they mm-hmm. really, 
it like when we talk about the gameplay, it is right back to that original game, right? It just enhanced. Yeah. There's there's a lot more to it, and I'm oversimplifying, but it is literally that view, that in- interface, that thing that people loved, right? Yep. So anyway, go ahead. No, 100%. And I think part of that was because Zelda 2 was a pretty big de- departure. They were trying stuff out. And, you know, somebody somebody was just like, yeah, enough enough of this. Zelda 1 was way more popular, way more interesting, or whatever. Whatever they said, or it sold not as, it sold better than Zelda 2. We need to go back to that formula because, because of whatever. This game introduces a lot of elements, areas, things that were new in 1991, but are still being used as part of the Zelda universe today. Do you mind like talking a little bit about what some of those are? And like, we're talking about like some pretty uh, seminal parts of Zelda here, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing that I think it's similar when you talk to talk about a game like Ocarina of Time, regardless of whether or not you like it there, it's hard to ignore the legacy of the game and what it introduced to the series. So things like the, you know, the mirror worlds, and in this case, the light and the dark world, Things like the ocarina, things like heart pieces, the hook shot, the master sword. I mean, the master sword is a is a critical one because every single game since then has featured the master sword. They've created so much lore around what the master sword is and how it came to be. Let me ask you a question because you sure. played these games in order, and I know we're getting into personal experience here, but that's fine. I don't care. I think I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not really worried about going over the gameplay and story of A Link to the Past. Because I think that most people who are tuning in and listening to this show have either played or know this. It's 30 years old. It's it's widely regarded as probably one of the best games of all time, okay, for a number of valid reasons. So I don't really want to divert too much, but I have, I have a question for you because you did play these games in order. In the first Legend of Zelda, what did you call that last sword that you got? This last sword, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the magic sword. The magic sword. Yeah. And that's what it's called in the in the scroll, right? In the in the manual and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we always called it the Master Sword. I feel like we did. That might be revisionist history, but I always feel like it was the Master Sword. I was taken aback by realizing that this is where the Master Sword came from. And that could just be that I'm old and I misremember things and that you, you know, like it's like I said, revisionist history. But I was like, it's man, I swear Mandela we called effect. it. Yeah, exactly. I was exactly. I feel like we were always calling it the Master Sword. But that name came from this game. Yeah. And it's still, you still go to the Lost Woods and get it in the most current right. Zelda until May. Who knows how they're going to do it then? But anyway. Right. And there's always some sort of trials you have to overcome to, to yep. prove that you're worthy of capturing the magic, the magic, the master sword. <laughs> and, get it and, right, Kiermonte. Yeah. Oh, God. That's my favorite series. I love canceled. the magic sword. It canceled. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. From the beginning, there's the the, the lore that the uh, Master Sword repels evil, right? Like the Sealer of the Darkness. The, yeah, I mean that's evident in the fight against Aghanim. That's uh, and that continues out throughout the whole series, right? Yep. So yeah, and then and then it just expanded on everything the first Zelda did. Instead of there being just you know eight or nine dungeons, there's the three challenges, uh, the three temples, dungeons, whatever they're called for the pendants. And then there's the, 
there's the seven crystals with the maidens and then you've got to fight Ganon and spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, what? Even, Ganon? Yeah. That's another staple that established uh, the, the fake out boss, right? Like there's uh, so many of these games where it's like, there's some evil force and then, Oh, surprise. It's actually Ganon. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> it's a giant pig yep. man. It's, it's, seems to me that this is the Zelda that established that the the real true power of the Triforce is that it it grants the wish of the person who touches it. Like it was always kind of alluded that the the person who held the Triforce had the ultimate power in Hyrule and it never kind of went into why. It was just that it was a magical thing. I may be misremembering that, but I'm pretty sure that Zelda 3 Link to the Past was like made it specific that the reason that it was powerful was that Ganon or whoever went in to, to get the Triforce and touch it when they touched it, it would grant whatever their heart desired. And in his case, it, you know, created the dark world. So, you know what, you know what kind of took me aback here when I, when I play, cause I did replay this myself, right? I, I, I did not remember that Kakariko village was in this game. Because I've been playing Breath of the Wild so much for the last, you know, I don't know, couple of years now. <laughs> ever, right. since, ever since John was on the show first, which was a year and a half ago, I think, at this point. That was like uh, one of the first episodes I was on. Yes. And, and I, I just, I have, I've played it so much that that is like, you know, it's one of the kind of like the two like home bases. That and Hot, was it Hatno, right? Village, mm-hmm. I would say. That's where your house is. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played Breath of the Wild. You get a house in Hatno Village. But I was just kind of shocked. I was like, oh my God. And then I started to like dig into it. I'm like, I remember why I love this game so much. So anyway, yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, so many of the landmarks started in or really became well-defined in Zelda three. Do you feel like that's partly because they could incorporate it as part of the story at that point? And that that's why they were able to introduce these things that they've leveraged now for 30 years, because prior to that, you really, you could kind of tell a story, but in this slide shot kind of single single page type like cutscene way, right? Whereas this is like, look, here's the story. It's built into the game, right? Yeah. That wasn't really yeah. part of one or two. Like you talked to the villagers, but most of them <laughs> were morons or they tried to attack you or something. Okay, so right. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you saw a lot of that, right? As the Super Nintendo came out and people started, you know, developers started like understanding what they could do with the system. You got more and more games that were more and more story driven. And even though Zelda was primarily action focused, um, the incorporation of the story elements. I mean, I can tell you that playing playing it back, I'm actually was really surprised at how little story there actually is. Because in my mind, there's like this amazing epic story that like spans, you know, uh, tomes, right? Like it's just like all the stuff that happened. And I think some of that is my memory conflating the game with the the manga that they released in um, Nintendo Power Magazine. Shut up, uh, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead. Right, they they tra- in, in Nintendo Power they translated the Link to the Past manga from Japan, and they they published the entire thing in in the magazine while you know over however many issues. And I just remember reading that and being totally enthralled by um, by the way that they told the story there. 
And and actually, I don't know if folks know, but you can actually buy that manga translated now on Amazon for I think it's like twenty bucks, and you you get the whole thing in a book. Um, What's it called? It's it's a Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. It's sixteen ninety eight paperback. There you go. And he just bought it. I think the nice thing, kind of where you're going with it too, Mike, is I, I think part of it with Zelda three is I almost feel like Zelda one and two were kind of their trial and error games. Mm-hmm. Like Zelda one took off really well. They said, you know, this is cool, but let's see if we can take it a different avenue. Right. And then it felt like because two was so polarizing, people hated it, people loved it. Where they were yeah. like, you know what, let's go back to like the proven the proven strategy, the way we had it top down, and let's build off that. The story, I, I think a lot of the story was it was made to be built in your mind it, or for yeah. your imagination. Sure. But I think that's yeah. where they started to really cultivate it because, again, that's where the Master Sword that's in now the Breath of the Wild and probably will be in, I can't even think of the newest game now that's coming out. Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. It'll probably be in that. Like those 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 pieces have strewn across time where the original two, it was just, well, the Triforce and you got to save Princess Zelda. That was it. Right. Where now right. they've expanded on that and they've built it so much over this. I guess now you could say it's like an empire. That that's yeah. I, I think that's where this was the the foundational piece of that. I uh, mean, and they they definitely tried their best to incorporate some story into one and two, but the limitations of the system because the the games were so big. Like from a technical perspective, I can I can imagine like them sitting around and having a conversation about the trade-off, right? Of like, yeah. well, we could include more text, but that means we got to shrink the map down and like shrink down a couple levels. And, you know, I could, I could see Miyamoto just being like, the story is not that important because <laughs> that's his thing, right? Like if you've oh, ever yeah. read any, it's about gameplay and, and fun. Know, the story is just a framework to that. You, you kind of hang on to the gameplay to make it a little more interesting, but not for me. Same. Yeah, I, I mean, know. That, yeah, it's true. I I I completely agree. I I do. You know, as we get into background and development, we don't have to traverse to that now. But one of the things they did is that this was one of the larger. Like this was the. I don't know if it was the first, but it was one of the first eight megabit or one megabyte cartridges. Most of them were half that size prior to that, and they were still strapped resource wise. So when you talk about that, that's why I think you know, when I look at it, that's probably why they did the light in the dark world because you're using essentially the same assets, right? You you can fit more of the story part of it in there in this much, much bigger game if you reuse those same assets and just give them a different color palette, which is really, the dark world is, is you know, very, very similar to the light world as it relates to how it's structured, right? So. Right. Anyway, yeah. Getting and, nerdy. And, well, the, the, the cool thing about that, right, is, so let's get back to the gameplay for a second, is how that informed... Um, the, the the design of the world and the dungeons and this flipping back and forth using the dark world portals and the mirror to be able to solve puzzles by jumping back and forth because the worlds were mirrors of one another with slight differences. And so you have an area in the dark world where, you know, in the light world, it's a plateau that you can't get to normally. So you, in the dark world, you go over to that spot and then use the mirror to get into the light world. So now you're standing on that plateau and you can go into a cave and get a heart piece. Um, or get to you know, Death Mountain. Or, 
Right. Or who knows oh, yeah. what you might translate up there, man. Who knows? Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff and and uh, or or the water dungeon um is the one that really sticks out in my mind because it just it was again really like mind blowing and you think about it now and it's like well yeah of course that makes sense why 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 is that such a big deal but you know the the water dungeon near Lake Hylia kind of to the to the west of it you go down there and in the light world there's really nothing there um, except a switch that you can push that drains the water right it, from the lake into yep. into the temple and then you go yep. to the dark world and come back and now you can actually get into the into the dungeon there because of the water because is the water up yep yeah it's just expert game design that's all yeah. that is it's just it's forward thinking and going okay we can use these things as a as a device mm-hmm. for travel too. Not just not just like different experiences, but like okay, these things are both of the, both worlds are affected by the same. You know, it, you know, it's like uh, Back to the Future, right? Right. Marty's right. Marty's brother and sister are disappearing off the card, like the, the parallel worlds, man. One right. one and action and one affects the other directly. Right. And a lesser a lesser game designer, you know, would have been frustrated by the limitations and just would have kind of tried to jam as much as possible in there without, you know, thinking about it. But, you know, they, they really, they really considered like, okay, well, what can we do with this? How do we make this an advantage rather than a limitation for us? And that's what I really love about older games is that there's so much of that at hand, right? Like so many of the amazing, interesting design decisions that were made in some of these games a lot of time out of limit, necessity, though. Limitation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. To your point, it was out of the limit. You you had to be more creative because of the limitations of what you were working with. And where nowadays, it's like this gigantic open system, right? Like you can say, you can pretty much do whatever you want and make things look as real as you want and include whatever you'd like as realistically as you'd like. Whereas back then, you were confined by the restraints of your your resources, which were much, much more limited. And it's why right. I'm like it's, it's game. Yeah. This whole game fits into one megabyte and it's like mind blowing to think about that versus like you download these games. They're like 30 gigabytes now. And it's like, God, what, is, what is in here that I need this, this much space to play a game where you just essentially run around and chew people or yeah. something, you know, that's 30,000 megabytes. That's, and that's, that's amazing. where it's, yeah. you think about how much that's changed. I just, just, when we started talking, when you guys start talking about that, I thought about, I just recently played Spider-Man. And it's like thinking about that and you put in the perspective. So you look at the overworld or the underworld and um, on Zelda three and it's like, it's pretty big, but that Spider-Man game, you you're, you're traveling around every inch of Manhattan. Like you can go all over the entire Island. At one point I got bored and just went up and stood on top of the world trade center. Just right. to like overlook the entire city, and you can sit there and overlook the entire city, right? And that's a good example of a game where it's like you you can you can kind of understand where that's why it's so large to yes. install and download because yeah, that game like as someone who who goes to New York City regularly and has lived in New York City, it, it's um it's remarkable how true it is when it wants to be. Like there are other things they changed for creative reasons you know, on purpose to kind of match the world of Spider-Man. But yeah. like you look at that and you go, okay, I can see why this is, this game is so large, but Zelda, I mean, for, for all its, 
you know, for all the gameplay and all the story and all the music, um, you know, it's this tiny, tiny little game. You know what I love about you, Mr. Kiermonte? You're talking to me. I thought you were talking to Jay. I saw you looking lovingly over at Jay in the video. No, I had to walk over and make a drink, but I can hear the reverence that you have for this in your voice. And I can just tell by how you talk about it, how you, how much you care of how much it means to you. And that is that like, that's just like, I, uh, I feel that that's all it's just like, I can feel when you talk about it. It's this like exasperating joy almost where you're just like, Oh yeah, it's just, you know, like my whole life, I guess. Or <laughs> what? I don't even know how to put it. You know what I mean yeah. though? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I went back and played the whole thing and I was having flashbacks to being, you know, 12 years old and 13 years old playing through the game and, and just like puzzling through it. And like now it's second nature. I, I know what all the solutions to the dungeons are, but they, they just stuck with me this whole time. But it's like kind of just, yeah, there's just something about it. Um, it's the same and, feeling at the same age that I had about the first one, literally the same age and that same recall and that same being so assimilated into that environment and knowing everything about it and learning everything about it. And then 30 years later, 35 years later, you know, you just, you're just, yeah. Anyway, I I'm sorry. And, and, you know, I mean, it's not a perfect game. I think there are things about it that are clunky at times. And there are things that are definitely, Uh, unnecessarily frustrating about it but i think that's just because of you know again limitations of the the way the game was designed they maybe could have refined some things a little bit but overall you know the gameplay established what an overhead action adventure game should be and and it was really uh satisfying to see when they return to that for um a link between worlds Mm -hmm. i won't talk about that game too much but uh, just to have them revisit the world of Link to the Past and bring back that type of um, gameplay in a meaningful way, not like in Four Swords Adventures or you know one of the other kind of side top-down games. It really um, it was kind of like a, a love letter to fans of, of Link to the Past, which was yep. which was really really fantastic. So we could sit here and laud praise on this game all day. Okay, I think we got to start moving on just a little bit so what i'm gonna do because mm-hmm. we, we're also gonna have a chance to do this and, and pontificate our feelings in the ljn game ratings which i have a feeling can be quite short potentially with some people yeah. <laughs> um jay why don't you tell me a little bit about who was involved in the background development of this game you really want me to do this <laughs> huh? i can say the names if you want well, I wanted to make Jay. He just do likes it. doing this to me because I butcher everything. You should be able to nail the first one. Who was the producer of this game, Jay? Shigeru Miyamoto. Shigeru. Shigeru. Sorry. And she, what about? Yeah, I screwed it up. Yeah. What about the writer of the story of the actual game within the story of the game? I should have muted the mic. Like, Kensuke Tatame. Tatame. I can't get this straight. I give up. Mike, I'm done. Like Mike, it. go ahead. Do you know? Do you know? Do you guys know Brian Regan, the comedian? It's yes. like that hooked on phonics bit. Yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. He can. He can sound it out. No. Anyway, I yeah. could, but I'm not going to. And That's what, the problem. Yeah. Yoshiaki Kozumi wrote the kind of the backstory and lore. Like he was the one that kind of wrote the manual 
Whereas mm-hmm. Tanabe wrote the story itself. And uh, interesting fact about Mr. Kozumi, he succeeded Miyamoto as a producer for the Mario series after I think it was Super Mario Galaxy. I can't. I, I wrote that, but I can't remember if that's right. So yeah, he's he's kind of kind of a big deal around Nintendo now. So you, yeah, and. Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the uh, the game? I know we talked a little about the cart size. I already discussed that. Tell me a little bit more about the development. And, 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 and you know, the developer that we have on the phone here who develops NES games in his spare time as part of his YouTube fame. Yeah. P- please, Mike, chime in at any time to talk a little bit. If you know anything about around the development of this game, feel free to add whatever it is you, you'd like. Well, and I might well, ask... I I might ask oh, him no, to give more info on it anyways because of the statement I'm going to put out here. Is originally, mm-hmm. this began development as a new NES Zelda. So this originally was supposed to be an old, as, as an old Nintendo yeah. mm-hmm. Zelda game. So was this, and, and you may be able to speak to this more, Michael, is it, this was after Zelda 2 still. Mm-hmm. So they were building this basically probably to kind of wipe out the Zelda 2 piece because they were like, well, the top version worked better. The side-scrolling is okay, but the people love the top-down perspective. So, I mean, you know, you hear about that a lot. Like, the um, Super Mario World was originally just a port of Super Mario 3 for the, over to the Super Nintendo. Uh, kind of as an exercise for them to figure out how to use the Super Nintendo hardware um, from a development perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm not super surprised to hear that, although I actually honestly hadn't heard that part myself. Um, but it do- does make sense, like right? Like they're, Time they're, frame-wise. Yeah, their dev teams are always working on whatever the next game is. So, so likely they were like, okay, well, Zelda 2 is done. Let's start work on the next Zelda game. And then it was like, oh... Uh, Yamauchi is saying Super Nintendo is coming. Oh, okay. Well, whenever that happens, maybe maybe we'll make a game for it. And then, you know, I'm sure. And Yamauchi, for those who don't know, I'm referring to uh, the president of Nintendo at the time. Um, also, the he, executive he, producer of A Link to the Past. Ah, okay. So he probably, you know, kicked down the door of the development studio area and was like, what are you losers working on? He was, he was <laughs> apparently, he was apparently not a particularly nice person. Um, and, and they were all like, Oh, sir, we're working on the new Zelda game. And he was like, Oh, on the super Nintendo. Right. And they were like, Oh, of course, sir. Yes. And then he said, very good. And he left. And then, you know, and then they were like, Oh shit, we, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta port this. So, I mean, from a from a development perspective, the hardware, the CPU for the Super Nintendo isn't that different from the Nintendo. So, from like a basic coding perspective, it probably wasn't hard for them to bring that over. But like the the graphics, so so keep in mind, like the original Nintendo had one layer for backgrounds mm-hmm. and then one sprite layer, and the Super Nintendo had up to four layers for backgrounds. Um, and then more sprites that could be displayed and different bigger sizes of sprites. And so what do you know? (laughs) And that's how you get the really cool effect of like the raining and the lightning in the beginning. And like, again, that's why that was so mind blowing because you went from a game that was like basically just like flat paper and a little thing moving on it to this really like layered diorama look like I'll never forget 
Um, even now, it still is so um, shocking or just like exciting when you go get the master sword in the the lost woods, and it's all foggy in the lost woods, and then you get it, and the fog goes away, and it's like sunny, and you have the sun shining through the tree limbs on the floor of the of the forest as you're walking. Uh, through the through the lost woods, it's like just such an amazing transition. Yep. So from a development perspective, I do know that you know even with all the added space they had and the added capabilities, they they were still running out of space um, to to hold everything. And part of part of the amazing sort of trickery they did with the light and the dark world is that the 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 light world and dark world are essentially the same data they just kind of stored off the differences between the two and like you said use the different color palette to to kind of uh minimize the amount of data that they had to store because they they just couldn't store two separate maps they wanted to make they it a to. bigger game that had you know twice as big of a world right but right. how do you do that without Shooting Literally costs to the roof, the yeah, and yeah, right. exactly. Which in turn, and doubling the size in turn is going to double the the cost of production, right? I guess you yeah. just you know, make a sixty dollars game a seventy dollars game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I mean, kidding, and, and I don't, I don't remember if it was, I, I don't remember if this was one of the Super Nintendo games that was particularly expensive, but like that was definitely the the thing, right? Like they, the more space you needed, the more expensive the game was that's why like chrono trigger was so expensive because that game is what four megabytes i think yeah, right? street, street fighter 2 turbo was also expensive like that i remember that was a 70 dollars game could have just been where i bought it like an idiot that back then but but yes yeah. that's a valid point so <sighs> all right well i'm gonna say this uh, oh don't, ahead, forget, don't forget the music koji kondo that's where we're headed he, he wrote some oh okay i was just gonna ask you if you could talk to me a little bit about our friend Koji Kondo. That is exactly what I was just going to talk about. So, please. All I have to say, all I have to say, chef's kiss. I mean. <laughs> He's a know, wizard. The guy is a musical wizard. I know. So, so many themes that we, we use today still in, in the new Zelda games. Um, just amazing. And, and again, the, the switch over from the bleeps and bloops of the original NES where I, I love the music for Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 um, to something that sounded like orchestral was just... It yeah. was the perfect so, transition. Yeah. It re- really was. Incredible. And the it fact was like, that, hey, that sounds like trumpets. <laughs> yeah, and it, because it kind of was, right? It was a voice, right? It was one of those voices. Right. And right. It, I, I do love that, you know, again, as we talk about like that return to glory... Bringing back the overworld theme, right? Something as simple yeah. as that, where it's like, dude, like that is one of the most fire piece of video game musics of all time. You know what? I'm sorry. I mean, poor grammar, but you know what I'm getting at here. And then, yeah. and to bring it back in such a way, and you're just like, oh man, this is, yeah. this is, this is good. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it still gives me chills. Yep. I, I agree. So we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about the music, but I, I think that. We can let society do that, right? Like it's it's one of the more renowned soundtracks from a video game perspective. I think it makes a number of uh, you know best of lists. I, I I was I didn't have a lot of time to dig into the facts, but like Ranker had it at like the fifteenth best soundtrack of all time. Which mm. if I if I think about it, it has, feels low, 
Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Like, but you know, I, I haven't played every game. I don't know every soundtrack, whatever. So we don't have to spend too much time on it other than to understand that Koji Kondo is a musical wizard who understands uh, how to, how to build feel and ambiance into a game with sometimes the most subtle of, of, of things, right? Mm-hmm. You see it even now. And I know detached, but breath of the wild is the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, there are these little, I don't want to call them jingles, but whatever you want to call them. And you're just like, okay, I know what's going on here. Like, I know that the sun's about to come up or the rain is going to stop or whatever it is. It's, you know, there's this yeah. great, there's this great meme where it's like, Hey, we need a great soundtrack for this game. And it's like Koji Kondo at a piano and the piano is just on fire because it's like, that's what comes <laughs> out when the guy touches the piano. So yeah, the, the technical term for what you've described is a light motif. Yes. Ah, I see. Well, good. Thank you for being here and, and providing the technical terms nerd. I mean, Mike, I'll give you one too. That make Koji Kondo a great pianist. <laughs> so he, the yes, he's very good at the piano. Is um, the it was also in stereo, which was an amazing True. upgrade from the mono of the original NES. That is a valid point that that you like. Nowadays, when I play an NES game, I modified a top loader for stereo output, which is not, it's simulated stereo, right? It's not true stereo. Or you can just get an adapter that puts what's, you know, splits a mono feed into two, two channels, but that's not stereo. And, and you, you, can, you can absolutely feel that as part of the game, that different things are happening in different ways because of the way things sound in one ear versus the other, or one side of your, you know, head versus the other, whatever, however we're going to look at that. Yeah, it literally pans sound effects from left to right depending on where where the action is taking place on the screen. Yep, I it I it we could <laughs> anyway. I'm just gonna sit here and like hug this game for the next two hours. I don't know. All right, how about so, we talk about some reception? You know what, Jay? I think that's a good idea. I like so it. I'm going to jump in and talk about the reception because I've got some uh, I've got some questions to ask around it as well. Okay, let's go. So I'm going to start with this. Okay, this game very well regarded, and I will also say history has been very kind to this game. Some games were very well regarded at, in the t- of the era, but have since been perceived as to be not as good. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is one of those games that is timeless. And I think when I look back at things and I try to stop and you know look at things holistically, the fact that it is a sprite-based game, people adore it, right? When people talk about the best of anything, it's always that. It's always the the sprite-based like fighting game or the sprite-based Castlevania game. It is never the 3D modeled blah 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 of the area, right? Yeah. Of the era. So that's a big part of this too. It is like I don't want to say the last, right? However you want to get technical, but it's the last real like sprite based, not 3d rendered type Zelda game that, that came out of the time on, on a console. And, and correct me if I'm wrong there. Right. And I think that that, that, that just kind of feeds people's adornment for it because they're like, this is before everything got all wonky, blah, blah, you know, with, with whatever, you know, with, with rendering and, and people's weird eyes and games and stuff like that. So that being said, Okay. Highly regarded game. I'm going to start with a list that this game did not make. This game did not make the Time.com and Time Magazine's top 50 video games of all time. And I'm going to tell you, 
I think that's bullshit. Okay? So I'm going to start there. So I didn't even put it on the list because I was so mad about it. But I had to talk about what it. because do they know? <laughs> Somebody buys newspapers anyway. Everybody reads Newsweek anyway. Time, you losers. Anyway. Yeah, time, what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> oh, Green of Time, best game of all time, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyway. We'll get to all that. So, Polygon's top 500. We, we, we do this from time to time, as especially when it warrants it, and this game certainly does. I'm going to go over a list of, you know, games that we... or I'm sorry. I'm going to go over a list of... L- lists that that go over kind of the best games of all time and these are the, the kind of the standards we do which is polygon's top 500 of all time nintendo powers top 100 and 200 game informers top 100 and 200 would that so, be a list that's my list okay polygon's top 500 games of all time this was number 20 i believe that was 2016 when that list came out i have to look it might have been a little bit later it might be 2019 i can't remember it was, it was bookended by Super Mario Brothers at 21 and Civiliz- Civilization at 19. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty good. That's good company. Yeah. And, so, and I will also say it was the second highest rated Zelda game on the list. Have you looked at the notes, Mike? Are you looking at them right now? I'm looking at them right now. Okay, so never mind. So that means the, number, <laughs> the, the only game rated higher Zelda-wise... Was The Legend of Zelda at number three mm-hmm. on Polygon's top 500 of all time? Okay. Nintendo Power, issue 100, September 1997. You know, in the heyday of 64, about a year after it came out. Nobody likes 64. Well, we'll see, because mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the, the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past was ranked number two on their top 100 games of all time. Shocking that a Nintendo property would be ranked so high. And then I want you to guess what the number one game of their top 100 games of all time was in 1997. Oh. The top rated game of all time in Nintendo Power September 1997 issue 100 was Super Mario 64 for the Nintendo 64. That was now, one of the three games I actually liked for the 64. Now, Nintendo Power, February 2006, issue 200, the top 200 games of all time. This game ranked number three. I want you to guess, without looking at the sheet, stop looking at the sheet, because it might give you a hint. What were the two games ranked in front of it? You're looking at the sheet, Jay. I see you. I'm looking right at it. Yeah, you are. Two games ranked in front of it. February 2006. This is... On the, I wouldn't say the tail end of... I guess it is the tail end of the GameCube era, right? Because Wii comes out in 2007. Yeah. So this is right at the end of the GameCube era, or right, you know, last year of it or so. Any guesses? Number one, number two. Super Metroid Prime is incorrect. Jay, you got any guesses? Mike? I don't have any. I'm thinking I'm thinking about it. Just give me... Um, not Mario Sunshine. No. It was not. And, and this is all games, one and two. Yeah. Was Ocarina of Time one or two? It was number one. Oh, was it? It was. That was literally mm. a grabbed at it. So. Ocarina of Time was number one, which also means this was the second highest rated Zelda game at number three. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, Resident Evil 4. Oh. Ah. That's what, the that's what R4, R4 means in the ah. notes. Ah, yeah. Okay. All right. A couple more lists. 
Game Informer's top 100 and 200 games of all time. We'll start with 100. 2001, this list comes out. A Link to the Past is number 23. It is bookended by Sonic the Hedgehog at number 24 for Sega Genesis and Street Fighter 2 at 22. This was the third highest ranked Zelda game on that list behind Ocarina of Time at number 11 and the greatest video game of all time, the original Legend of Zelda at number one. Okay? Number one. Game Informer's top 200 games of all time, 2009. Eight years later, this game moves up 11 spaces, despite the fact that there are now 100 more spaces to put people, Mm -hmm. and eight years' worth of games have come out. And this is what I was speaking about when I say the reverence of this game as it has gotten older, people have appreciated it more. I feel like people, it continues to creep up that list of greatest games of all time, even though more stuff is coming out. Yeah. Right, it just keeps kicking its ass. Like, oh yeah, you you think you're good, Last of Us? <laughs> you move up. You can't. Good luck. Although it hadn't come out in 2009, so anyway, but it was bookended by Super Mario 64 at 13 and World of Warcraft at 11, which I've never played, but I can absolutely understand the impact that that game had in video games. Yeah. Again, yeah. the second highest rated Zelda game of all time, behind. What game, everybody? Talk to me. Let me hear it. The Legend of Zelda. Which one? Notice how it's higher than Ocarina of Time. Yeah, which one was it? The first one on which platform? First one on the NES, I believe. The old Nintendo. Fucking right. No, the Famicom disc system. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Fucking right. Which, if anybody's looking for a copy of Zelda 2 for the Famicom Disc System, I'll be selling one at the Midwest Gaming Classic, March 31st, April 2nd. Milwaukee. Does it have all its It has everything. Ooh. It does. And I don't know about the prints for that game. I'll have to talk to Tyler about what's good. It needs to have all the stickers. It has all the stickers. Okay. It's that so time. That's a little bit about the reception of this game. I We could spend all day talking about all these subjects. The point is... This game ranks very highly on a number of all-time lists as one of the best games of all time, but is consistently placed behind The Legend of Zelda appropriately. Ocarina of Time is marginally involved in the conversation. Anyway, it is time for the LGN game rating. All right, so we're going to call Robbie first. Okay. Let's see if he's uh, around and willing to answer the phone. And now, featured on the completely unnecessary podcast. I know we talked about it last episode, but that was just a week ago. Our good friend, 8-Bit Supremacy, Robbie Coleman, everybody. Robbie, how you doing, buddy? I'm tired. Is your wrist tired from signing all those autographs after you were on the CU podcast? <laughs> you know, <laughs> on your little introduction, you mentioned again. I was like, "Is this? Is this what my life has come to? Like, this, this is, is it? Like, claim the fame? <laughs> this is it? Like, like I'm talking to a celebrity? Thirty second 
blurb on a podcast <laughs> about a documentary about retro games from two years ago. You, you know what I love is about that whole thing? Robert Coleman. Yeah, it is. Remember, yeah. Mike, it yeah, is. I thought it was Metal Jesus. So, Robbie? Yeah, this is the, this, yes. Did you, pull, did you buy yeah. anything? I did not buy anything I can remember, but, oh, one of my friends was at, I think I mentioned the store all the time. It's called The Exchange in Chicago, but my, one of my friends and bandmate was uh, selling stuff at The Exchange or something, and some customer walked in with a, a big bin of box Super Nintendo games. Oh, no. And the uh, people at the counter, the, well, I can't think of the fucking name, cashiers, the people who processed your actual trades were the workers, the employees were there, and they were like, Oh, sorry, buddy. We, we were not taking any of these because they saw that some of them were water damaged. Mm. And uh, they just were immediately like, no, pass, because I think that they just get such an influx of. They can, because they can pass on it. Because they can, yes. So, and then the customer was like, well, I don't fucking want them. And, he, and then my, my friend was like, I'll take them. And the guy was like, here, take them. So then I didn't know any of this yet, but my friend was already on his way to my house to pick up a copy of our record. And, uh, he was like texting me like I got a surprise for you. I'm like, oh cool, what surprises? So then like, I got opened the door and he had a huge Rubbermaid tub filled with Fox Super Nintendo games, but like half of them were like so disgustingly water damaged that like you could touch it with your fingers and you'd have black dust, uh. black mold. But like half of them were completely fine and salvaged. I, even though I'm still quarantining them and I like wipe them down and everything, but like the other ones we just had a straight trash. And one of those was sadly. Zelda Link to the Past. It that was is completely sad. covered in like black mold, dusty, gross. And I was like, you couldn't even open it because it was crispy. And I was like, straight in the trash. We had a trash bag. It's like we were separating shit. That one and the other big one that I would have loved to have was Super Castlevania 4. Those ones really hurt. They just <sighs> tossed into the garbage. Oh. God, that sucks. But I got to keep, but the ones that are nice, like totally fine. Not a speck of, like, not even like waviness. I don't know how they avoided moisture. They must have been at the top of the bin, but like, Gradius 3, Donkey Kong Country, Total Carnage, and uh, original Street Fighter 2. They all look mint, too, so I'm, I'm just going to keep them. Like, I bought them off my friend. I gave him uh, a chunk of change for those and some other comments that were in there. I was like, yeah, I'll take them all. I'll sell some stuff. <laughs> Fuck it. Give me the whole biscuit. <laughs> yeah, I took the whole biscuit. So that was a pretty weird come up. I did not expect because I don't even go picking or buying anymore. I was like, well, let's literally show up. And <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I didn't really... That's about it in terms of acquired. What I acquired, uh, I know. I don't know if I mentioned this on a different show, but uh, this dude who runs, has an Instagram called Sun Valley Video, he mailed me this like promotional uh, Midway Games tape for the making of um, the WrestleMania arcade game. Oh yeah, yeah. Nothing fucking rules. I never seen a copy on eBay or heard of it. It's just some weird one-off promo thing. How would you play like, it? Uh, who has a VCR nowadays? Right. I played it on our... Uh, right. Did you watch it in the van? I, I played it on TV as big as that. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> There's one that we keep, my lady and I keep in our kitchen. We call it the kitchen TV. It has one of those built-in VCRs underneath it. I got it from a yard sale like years ago. It's worth $150 but, uh, now, you know. Probably is, man. I got it for five bucks from some old Polish woman and it works like a charm. But, I almost um, bought, uh, somebody was doing the art sale, and I was so close to buying, this was four years ago, a brand new inbox, one of those TVs. Damn, dude. Oh, dude, um, what are you doing? You didn't well, buy it? Time, Click. No, because at the time, yeah, I know. 
I know. I totally deserve Man. it. Man. So, you know, like, having one of those in, like, your kitchen just, like, takes me back to the 90s. Like, that's how you knew, like, the affluent family. Like, yeah, like, exactly. The baller, the baller family on the block. You're like, dude, you can watch TV while you eat a fucking bologna sandwich. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, they weren't eating bologna. <laughs> they were eating brie. Yeah, they were eating brie. <laughs> we only eat the finest <laughs> so, of cheeses. <laughs> anyway. I got that thing. I got that tape. I watched that tape. I'm still fucking... The reason I'm so tired is I'm still fucking moving. I've been talking about this like every episode. It's just killing me. I don't have any oh, free man. time to actually do it because I'm working so much at the arcade. But uh, the arcade's been kicking my ass lately. And this isn't really a pickup for me because I don't own any of this shit. The owner of the arcade owns all of it. But my, the owner of the arcade casually mentioned to me that he had a Sunset Riders four-player cabinet in storage. And I was like, we're getting that. We're getting that. We're it looked it over here in front of the awesome. That thing looked like it brand was new. Man. Yeah, I was like, I kept punishing him until he's like, all right, let's go get it. We'll swap something else on some storage back here. And I go and got it. The monitor doesn't work. I got to shop it out. But it's like, it's there. It's my favorite running gun in the arcade, like ever. So I'm excited to get it working again. Put that front of a gun. That's awesome. It looked, it looked amazing. Yeah, it's a little thumping on the sides, but it's pretty hard to find. In the arcade cabinets that don't have any of that going on at all. Like your fucking Mortal Kombat, you have the, the MK1 that's like completely white. Yes, <laughs> a little sun fade. You know, it's funny. I was just talking about that. I uh, I was just talking about with Jay. I've got to get. I've got the monitor now. I just need an isolation oh, transformer, go, and I can man. start wiring it. Like I, yeah. I'm ready to go. I, 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 it's been cold here, so I haven't been able to do anything with that. But I think that'll be a project that once we get the speakers and receiver in Jay's house, I can, I can move to and feel good about it. So I got three to five like, years. Like yeah, exactly. Thirteen dollar or something with pre-made jamma harness, where everything's like fully labeled and like yeah. proper, so you don't have to do any of the hard shit anymore. With the kick so, harness and all that. Yeah. It's yeah, awesome. I got to grab one of those. So, did you? Uh, question for you. Yeah. Have you ever played the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past in the last twelve to twenty-four months or years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> Yo, I think yeah, your answer should be no, maybe. Yeah. No deer for a month. <laughs> That's right. No, did you say deer or beer? <laughs> uh, I have played through that game many times in my life. It is one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. I would put it in the top five Super Nintendo games ever. Yeah, if I were to make a personal list, um, it's definitely in there. Wizard of Oz, Dennis the Menace. <laughs> No, yeah. Double Dragon yeah, Five, Pit Fighter, and the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's a that's a heavy list. There's actually, you know, there's two versions of the list. The other one is no way, man. Pit you Fighter, Pit Fighter, Pit Fighter, Pit Fighter, <laughs> and Pit Fighter. But that one doesn't have Zelda in it. Go ahead. Just just so I can just so I can rekindle my love with Jay here. I'm just going to mention that um, Super Metroid is my favorite Super Nintendo game. Ever. My man. It's a fantastic right. game. We're both, oh. we're, we are friends again. Okay, good. This is why Robbie is the handsomest man alive. To be fair, <laughs> number one, you're yeah, right. Super Metroid, Super Metroid, Mario World, Zelda, Link to the Past, Super Castlevania, and Contra 3. In no particular order. That's my top five. Tyler, Tyler's concerned that it's not in your top five games of all time. Super Metroid is, but not Zelda. I see. Oh. Well, you're not a big adventure RPG kind of guy. I... And when there's action involved, any tip, typical turn-based RPG can just suck my fucking nuts. I cannot. I can't wait till we do Final I Fantasy cannot, VI. I, I cannot do those games. Chrono I Trigger. Tried, my, girl, 
My girlfriend gives me shit. She thinks I'm like just being pretentious, but I'm like, I can't do it. I'm you, bored. Man, I'm we're gonna bored. make you. When we're gonna make you play changes. Chrono Trigger. Oh man, it's gonna be gross. You're gonna hate it. I, Ro- Robbie got, needs that I, action. I, you know what? Fuck. People would be so mad at me because I've come across maybe three to four copies of Chrono Trigger in my day. And I just keep sell- kept selling them. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about. This. Yeah. People think it's like this big masterpiece, and I hear it's great, and I get trying to give it a shot. And I'm like, not for me. It's just not my kind of. I just like action e. Or games, or fighting games, or just arcade style. You wanted games to be more hands-on. Platformers. I don't. Know. You got to get that action. I, I like. I love game. I like RPG hybrid games as long as there's action moments where you're not just taking turns and it's all luck. But those uh, are those are my me, those to be action adventure games or whatever we call them nowadays or whatever they were called back then. They've always been my favorite. Yeah. And I liked I like turn-based RPGs. I always liked the stories of those games. I've always enjoyed the Final Fantasy series, the Dragon Quest series, all that stuff. And I get where people don't, because I can see where people could perceive it as boring. Okay. And I mean, and like you said, with, lucky. There's some, I'm with what Clear was saying about the Miyamoto thing. Like, focus on the fucking gameplay, man. I do not care. A story is secondary to me. The only times I skip that shit, just hit start and like, let's go. I always I always reveled in the story of these games even when I was younger I think that's funny Mm. because I think like I watch Harrison even now playing a game he's like yeah 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 yeah. how do I get to doing this stuff and I'm like dude read it and then I'm I'm like when I was his age I wasn't reading shit either (laughs) no I I actually I don't know why I keep talking about Super Metroid that's kind of why I like the way that game unfolded they kind of explained it to you as he went along like like cinematic self boss battles and stuff like that Mm mm-hmm Anyway, we're back at Zelda. Zelda, is it? So wait, I think Clarvis was saying it's the third one. I swear to God, the Game Boy one was the third one, right? The original Game Boy one. Am I just? Did it come out after the Super Nintendo game? Link's Awakening anyway. came out in 1993, and this one was what? 1991 and 1992. Okay, so this game, like the other games I mentioned, my little top five, those are sole reasons why I was kind of jealous of Super Nintendo owners back in the 90s. Like, I I had already committed to being, like, a Genesis kid. I had the Genesis. I bought it. My parents weren't going to buy me both, but I was like, I want the Genesis because it was cool, it was new, it was exciting. I made the leap from the NES over to that. was pretty fucking happy with it. Like, all the games that came on there that were exclusive were great. You know, like Kid Chameleon, Ultra Beast. Just <laughs> <laughs> the, list, the list goes on. The list goes on. <laughs> So, yeah, and I had a friend down the street who had started getting all the... He's the only one in the whole neighborhood of Super Nintendo. Everyone else kind of had drank the, the Kool-Aid from the Sega advertising. It wasn't Fartingale, was it? Fartingale did not have a Super... <laughs> he actually had the fucking kit, the Sega 32X. Oh, okay. CD, all that shit, man. He went all for right. it. Just, just want to make sure it wasn't that jackass dentist. Or no, I'm sorry, no. chiropractor. Yeah, yeah, he's a chiropractor. Now, Fartendale just had Double Dragon 3. And I'm just kidding. All. I'm sure he's fine. Stuck with that, stuck with that game. But, um, no, Super Nintendo, Zelda 3, I never played Zelda 3 at that kid's house, but, like, games like that really reeled me into the Super Nintendo. I don't know where the fuck I played Zelda 3. I, I just remember being obsessed with it when it came out. And I thought it was weird that Clarivis mentioned earlier that people complained about like it being too similar to the first one. It was like, you motherfuckers complain about the second one being too different. And now you got exactly what you wanted. And you're saying it's like a lazy, like revision of the first one. It's like, 
I'll, I'll clarify if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you now. We do. Okay. Yes, we do. Yeah, I'll, I'll clarify that that's, that's more of a revisionist take. Oh. Um, that's, that's a, that's a, a more modern take on it. Just like it's a more modern take that Bullet 2 sucks. I agree. Yeah. Kids. Also, I I, is kids. it for people? Is it for people who didn't even grow up in that era? Just yeah. Like, oh, oh, sure. well, yeah. Fuck them. I mean, yeah. That, that, that was never the intent. Was to phone it in to make another like overhead Zelda. Game. Uh, also, I will yeah, say no, they were just, they yeah. were just like okay, the second one veered off the path. People weren't that happy about it. Let's just stick to the first one as a formula from here on out. Kind of. Yeah. I agree. That's all I, I, that's all I gathered from it. I was like, yeah. okay, well, we're back to this now. Cool. Another Zelda game. Great. It's uh, just it's just proof that people will complain about anything. Is what yeah, it is. Really <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, that's about all I got. I don't. It's just a good game. It's solid, and I'll it Robbie, will never leave my never leave my collection. You, I wish that box that came in the tub of water games the other day was not fucked up because I would love to keep that uh, and display it because um, I consider this game a five out of five on the LJN rating scale. That is, that is the least surprising thing that you're going to tell me all day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, when I get to my review, I'll yeah. I'll I'll elaborate a little further. But yes, that is uh, I mean, I, not surprising. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to elaborate because like everything, I mean, how far along we are in this podcast. I literally fell asleep on the floor waiting for you guys to call me. It's just taking so long. <laughs> Get a couch, and, uh, loser! God, take a little, take a little nap. I'm fucking moving, man. My shit's in disarray over here. I'm just laying on floors. Touche. But uh, I can't really say more than what's already been said. And like Clearvis has, and uh, his reverence, as you put it, in, in, in terms of the reflection of his voice, I agree with all everything he's saying about it. Doesn't I don't really need to add to that. I agree. We already covered so it's like, I'm surprised me to talk as long about it, but I was going to be like, yeah, five out of five, click, but no, it's, <laughs> I, I like when, when we were talking earlier about possibly just getting everybody on all at once and, and saying our rating, I was like, that could be the whole segment. It really could have. I, yeah, I agree one, with you. Two, three, There's nothing. Five. Well, you don't need to explain to me why you like this game. <laughs> okay. So I think we can, uh, we can leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Unless that, Unless that jerk Sashimi Z finds a way to give it a lower than a five rating, then, then he, well, he's truly, truly on my shit list. So. Good. I hey, look, you're gonna find out in a little bit. Okay, so we're gonna go. He's last. So I guess that's my question too. If I pick, if I make it lower than the five, are you? Am I gonna be on your shit list too? Yes. Yeah. Oh, are you talking to Robbie or me? Robbie, I'm not talking to you. You're already on it, man. I thought you said we were you're friends again. Okay. He, you, he, were, yes, I mean, you were on it, and now you're not. <laughs> but if you do that, <laughs> you're not. If you do that, you're going to be on it again. Right. <laughs> I'll be your friend. I was going to say, I just was like, it's nice to have a game that is uh, unifying for the entire cast of this podcast. And we'll see. We haven't given all the scores out yet. Yeah, let's let's see how it goes. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> we both said okay. the exact same thing the exact same way. What? Okay. You guys don't know what I'm going to read. You're right. We don't. So, Robbie, with that, I think we can probably make this the shortest LJN game ratings of all time. So, all right. All right, guys. I'll see you later. So, 5.0 from our friend Robbie. And with that, I will say thank you for joining us as always. I'm glad that you're here. 
and not on any other podcast. Directly. 8-Bit Supremacy. Robert Coleman. I'm bad! I'm bad! I'm bad! Alright. So our good friend Robbie gave it a 5.0. Next on our list, that's you, Jay. Probably should have kept Robbie on for my score. Yeah. So we could hear him lose his shit. What's it gonna be, Weaver? I wrote it down. What did you write down? I wrote down 3.5. What is your real score? That's a five. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Yeah, I would never know. So I was being very ambiguous with this because I know it was putting Robbie on the edge of his floor because I guess he doesn't have a couch. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the edge of his seat, but he can't afford one of those. (laughs) Maybe in the van. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. He was ready to explode. No, I actually, and this is why Robbie and I are back on the buddy train. Yeah. This game is in my top five all, I'd probably say all time. Yeah. And it's one is Super Metroid, two is Zelda. Yeah. A link to the past. You know what that means? Unreal games. The best games. You know what that means? One thing it means is I believe Tyler made a comment about Metroid Prime. <laughs> Metroid Prime, all of that whole saga can eat my hot shit. <laughs> Jason not a fan fucking games of the first person ever. Metroid games. Every let's, single let, let's, thing. Let's keep the LJN ratings as succinct as possible. Okay, five. Do you know what that means? It means it's a five. It means you have good taste. Jay, who's next? You. Me? You. <laughs> I don't know how many. <laughs> I'm going to lose say it. five. I'm going to lose it here. I'm going to lose it. I can feel it. I can feel it welling up. Because I had a very similar experience around my birthday for this game when I turned. I, you know, I'm older than pretty much everybody. It feels like nowadays, but I turned 17 in July of '92. There was nothing I wanted more than this game for my birthday, and I waited three months for this game to come out. I was over the moon excited about this game, and. Sometimes you have to reacclimate yourself to something to realize how much you love it. And I had not played this game in a long time, even though I knew in my like heart that I loved this game and I enjoyed it and it was a big deal for me, but I hadn't played it again. And I sat down and played it and it was just a big deal. Like I, <laughs> I'm getting like emotional about it because I could... If you start fucking crying, I'm cutting your ass off tonight. I'm, I'm teetering. You're not allowed to drink you, anymore. You, buddy, you laugh, or you, you say that, but I'm going to tell you. When I, heard, when I heard Mike earlier talking, I could hear it in his voice, and it's what I said. That's how I feel. That feeling in his voice is how I have that same... It's just a big deal. You know, I love Zelda. Like, I know Mike said it's his favorite series of all time. It's probably my favorite series of all time, too. Like, I, if I sat down and thought about it, I'm, I'm sure it is. And, and while I'm slightly older, and the first one will always be that game that was, you know, as it was for Mike, mm-hmm. this one is, it's, <laughs> it's that game, but everything done better. Mm-hmm. Right? 
so how do you not love something like that? I, I love this game. This game, if I could give this game a thousand out of five, I would. Write it down right now. Thousand. Thousand out of five. <laughs> I think that anybody that plays this game and then says, Oh, Karina time is better, should probably get back to eating grape nuts while they play their cassette games. <laughs> that are playing fucking Metroid Prime. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. So cry, cry for the views, says Bobby. Look, I'm not, if I do, it's not for the views. It's because you're I, drunk. I well, I've had a couple of drinks, but that's neither here nor there. I would be feeling this way no matter what. It is a this this game is a big deal for me, and it, you you can tell when it's something is important to you when I'm writing the notes for it and I'm trying to put things together, and you just want to make sure that you do you don't do it a disservice, right? I don't know. I just, I just love this game. And uh, when 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 Mike suggested it, I was just like, I don't know if I'm ready for all this. <laughs> you really did, and you said that you were like, yeah. this is going to be a big game to do. It, and we haven't done anything this big. We have, but it's this. The scope of the show has changed since we've done it, and you yeah. know, so I don't know. Five point forever and ever. I put a thousand point it keeps yeah, a thousand point oh. Five point oh and a hug. Five point oh and a hug. Yeah, I, I, can, I ain't hugging you. I know you're not. Okay. I wish Mike was here. He was supposed to be here. We'd be hugging right now. You guess probably would. I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't. I don't know if you're a hugger. I'd hug it out. All right, cool. Cool. Well, I'll just virtually hug you and say thank you for picking this game and thank you for reminding me of how much I genuinely love this game. Because My I already pleasure. Yeah, I already felt like I did. And I already knew I did, but getting back and playing it again reminded me of how much in, in your story, like I said, is, is, is parallel to my own slightly different, but the same, the same. So one thing I forgot, just, I'm going to have to go take a break. I'm going to go wash my face. <laughs> okay. I got to go chill out for a minute. You can talk to John Caramonte. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm kidding. I'm fine. Oh, okay. I was like, are you really leaving? No, I had you going though. Oh, well. I, uh, that's one thing I Robbie will say. says I felt the same way during the Pit Fighter episode. <laughs> Sidewalk Jim does that to people. He has that effect yep, in his does. sweatpants and tank top while he throws a car at another fighter on top of an overpass. Oh my god. Uh that is one oh. thing I will say, okay. though, about I'm back. I'm sorry. Uh, when I play Link to the Past. I never heard of that game. What's it about? <laughs> Isn't that the show? Yeah, that's the game we're doing. Oh, yeah, this this guy. Yes, that one. Yeah, Just making sure. I was like, that's it, yeah. Go ahead. No, one thing I thought that was actually kind of funny is I, I had forgotten since I hadn't played it in so long that you have to beat the overworld and then you go to the dark world. <laughs> that's right. And I got through, I was this. telling you about this. I got through, Mike, Michael, I didn't <laughs> tell you about this. I got through and I beat the wizard and I'm like, hell yeah, like I, I got through this quick. I'm like, let's go. And then it flips you over to the dark world and I'm like, oh shit. I forgot about all that. <laughs> oh yeah. The and other I was actually world. even more excited for the rest of the game. There was more to do. Yeah. For the, for yeah. the two thirds that was still left of the game. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I remember that as a kid. That was like a huge deal. Suddenly, like, it just did that automatically, and you're like, holy crap, what's going on? Yeah. So anyway, I think you're, you're, you understand why I have a podcast about old games. You got all the feels going on here. <laughs> Man, I'm struggling to hold it together. But what will probably help me keep it together 
is if I add another person to our call, our friend, Mr. John Young, the retro game enthusiast. By all of your solar panels. <laughs> It's the man from the Super Bowl championship city, John Young, the sweet and sassy barbecue sauce himself, Mr. Casey Masterpiece, the Famicom box, because that's what Tyler says I have to call him, retro game enthusiast. Ahoy hoy, everyone. Ahoy hoy. Hi, John. Just, just because I know people love a little background on the podcast. I normally try to hang up like uh, as soon as like I think that you're going to start calling me. So like 15 to 20 seconds went by. I'm like, all right, <laughs> must have called the one of the other John. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Okay, good, good. John, we're so, past uh, your bedtime. Yeah, yeah. We tell me about it. We we have our our esteemed <laughs> guest here. Tell me about it. Yes. Mr. Kiermonti, John, I believe you guys have spoken in the past, perhaps even on this show. <laughs> uh, a couple of times. Uh, I think I can hear you a little better this time, uh, Curtis, than uh, the last time. We were kind of, I don't know, one of those uh, audio negator situations where yeah. whenever you would talk, I couldn't hear you. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I was cracking up at your uh, you, your wife's comment about Mike being so stupid and Polish. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. I think I was um, the only person who understood that. Hey, wait, uh, wait, whoa, which Mike? Uh, no, 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 you know, it's a different dude. I, I do believe that you gave me the appropriate chuckle of, I understood what you said, I understood that was a joke, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my Polish has gotten worse, for sure, over the years. It's funny, when you don't travel every two years to the country, you, uh, you lose a lot of it. Yeah. John, how you been, buddy? Pretty good, man. You know, studying, working too much, you know, the normal. Uh, I picked up another show. There's going to be uh, all-in-one retro here in Kansas City, and uh, they're really hurting for vendors. So I told them I'd table on the 11th. So my goal is to not get COVID before we go to Midwest Gaming Classic. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I just got it like a month ago, so hopefully I'll get some new variants. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, been good. Um, picked up a couple of things just to move things along. I... Uh, Nothing too crazy. Some more weird Famicom stuff. I got a flyer manual for Donkey Kong. It's a rare one, but I only spent $20 on a single sheet of paper that nobody cares about. And I uh, care. I, hey, uh, and I didn't share this. I love Japanese knockoff strategy guides. <laughs> oh uh, my God. It's always top notch. And like legit, legitimately, like people are like detailed going through MS paint and like, drawing like the levels and stuff it, it, even some of the pictures are so much better than the ones we got here in the u.s um so i got another knockoff uh legend of zelda the, the first game in the series um the best one according to a number of lists i read today yeah so yeah um didn't pick up much more um i have about 300 famicom games i need to clean um so i have stock for this two-day show i picked up very good so, very good yeah. So, uh, link to the past. What can I say? It's dog shit. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's garbage. No, I mean, uh, and this is where you need to maybe have less insightful individuals in on the podcast because you guys pretty much covered all the ground I wanted to. You know, uh, I had a lot of comments in the time, but I don't need to necessarily go back and say similar things. 
you know, you hit the nail on the head. Like the first Zelda, like you still had to use your imagination for certain things. And then with this one, like you didn't need to, like, you know, that emotion right out the door, similar to Super Metroid with, you know, just like the intro, but you have all the feels, you got the rain, you got, you know, the uncertainty, you know, it's, it's um, honestly, as, as a kid that didn't read much literature at that age, um, like this was my first introduction to like good storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, immersive from, from the moment you start. Um, the movie Up is the one people tend to use is that like to be able to get somebody to feel that early in a movie. Um, Zelda did the same thing. You did kind of touch on this as well, but um, they, they use the Super Nintendo a lot of times. It's like the remake machine, put Super in front of it, and then just, you know, essentially get people to buy the same game. But now with a, to be the capability of doing all the things that we maybe couldn't do with the NES, flesh out the story, adjust things, this definitely felt that way to me. So it is kind of like a reimagining. But in no way, like, was I... Like, oh, I got to play that old, you know, trope again. Um, and then kind of in a similar vein, the uh, Game Boy was kind of the system where they just said, well, I'll just port the NES games to it. Not all of them, but there was a lot of like California games and where they just like, oh, we can try to figure out how to put this on there. Double Dragon. So, yeah, the, the story is great. Um, the music's amazing. Um, the sprite work um, is kind of cheating in a way that we weren't used to at the time but it definitely fit and it wasn't as anime cheesy as like let's say um legend of mana you know some of the it was more it was more cartoony right but not like you said not to that like chrono trigger level right yeah and even chrono trigger i would say i mean that is very anime because of what's his name from the dragon ball z uh, art came in dragon quest but um, it had its own, like, non, I don't want to say anime style is a gimmick or the chibi is a gimmick, but, like, Zelda, like, they definitely had reverence to say this needs to have an art style of its own. Eh, maybe I'm being a little too, I mean, because the bunny in the dark world is not necessarily. <laughs> but, oh, and one other thing, like, it definitely holds up now. You kind of touched on this too, so I won't go down that just yet. But, uh a Link to the Past and Link's Awakening. Um, when I played that claymation-looking remake of Link's Awakening, you definitely saw the limitations of the Game, game Boy in that and some of the puzzles and some of like the map structure. And so you could tell that it was a Game Boy game ported. I would say with this one, it's not. like The, the level design is well laid out. I would, and it depends on how I phrase this, I think it's how you would answer it. So I'm going to phrase it one way and then maybe phrase it the other way next. Do you think that this would be held up as top five, top 10 games if there wasn't Zelda's before it and after it? So like if this was the only game. I don't know. Usually when you ask a question like that, I try to put myself in that headspace and think about that like in a, in a silo almost, but mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. Like not at least not this quickly. So if this game existed like autonomously, like I, I'm trying to Stand think. Alone. Of, yeah, but I'm thinking yeah. I'm trying to think of a good example of a game like that where it came and it was fantastic, and then they you never heard from it again. I would oh. put Spike McFang in that boat. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if you played that one. Um, although there was like a Neo Geo game or a PC Engine or something. I mean, for some people, I think Illusion of Gaia is like that game. Okay, yeah. that's a good that's a good example. 
I, I mean, I'll let you go, Mike, but I, I have an answer. when You, you go ahead. No, done. go. Because uh, I, I think, go ahead. I, I Personally, I think it would have just been, I, I think maybe maybe it wouldn't be getting fives. I think it would still be getting, you know, 4.5s for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been one of those games that had like that strong cult following where mm-hmm. it was like, how come they never made another one of these? Why aren't they remastering it? Why aren't there more Zelda games? I don't think it would have been as big a following because the games that came after it really drew in a, a larger audience mm. you know, with, with the 3D action adventure stuff. And then you get something like Breath of the Wild that, I don't know, just really brought in even more people, even though, even though it's polarizing. Some people hate that game for some reason. But um, I, I just, yeah, I think, I think it would have been like Illusion of Gaia, one of those games where it's, it has a strong cult following. People talk about it. I think it would it would score better than Illusion of Guy because I think it's just a better game in general, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that, the score would have been a little, a little less. To that point of Breath of the Wild, people hating it. I think a lot of it is that puzzle element that you said that was brought in from the light to dark worlds, and then just like the solving of puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Breath of the Wild had that with the Korok seeds and some of the little things, but those puzzles weren't complicated. Right. And then that coupled with not having legit dungeons, I think those two things are what people were bothered by, you know, Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah. So I think that's where that hate comes from. Yeah, so, agreed. So I would answer the question like this. I don't think there's as much reverence for the game because part of the allure of A Link to the Past is what we talked about earlier, Mike. That's where Kakariko Village comes from. It's where the mm. Master Sword originates. And it's that series and that lineage and that history that I think gives it that, you know, it, it's it's something that would boost a game from a four or four and a half to a five to go. This is an impactful thing, right? There's 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 got to be that reverence part of it that comes along with how good it is to be able to push it into that upper pantheon of the best games of all time, I, I think. I, I mean, you know, that's that's an opinion. But I think it, it it does probably, you know, if you if it's still Zelda, but it's like I don't know, I don't want to say the F zero of 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 Zelda or whatever it is, where it's like okay, here's this uh, here's this idea that we had that we did that worked pretty well, but we never went back to it. I I still think it's a fantastic game, but I I have to agree that I don't think that people would hold it in such high regard just because. This is the foundation. First of all, it's a return, but also a foundation, and it's really weird. It's this transitive. Mm. It's this transitive thing that's. We did it this way. We changed it, but we we brought it back the way it was. Oh, by the way, we created all these things that thirty years later we're still using. Right. So, mm. yeah. So that's then, that's my answer. I think I argue then, to the other right side. Ahead. Is I still think this game would would still be at minimum a four point five, if not a five if it was a standalone. And the reason I say that is because there are so many things from this game that were original officially to this game. You brought up the Master Sword. Yeah, they had the Magic Sword, but ultimately they're two different things. And that's a big difference on this game. It's right on the box. And there's a lot, and there are, there's a lot of groundbreaking things. And I think about it, and I was, I was kind of wrap, I was, I was kind of wrapping my head around it too, because honestly, I said super, and, and it's common knowledge, Super Metroid is 
all time my favorite game. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like Metroid when I was a kid. I yeah. hated Metroid. I thought it was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I still don't love it, but I mean, I like it because of the because of the history of the game. But honestly, Super Metroid's that game to me. That game right. stands alone on its own for me. It so, doesn't need any other games. So when you, what you're saying is when you turn 75, you'll think Double Dragon 3 is a 5.0 and one of the best games. Ever. I may. <laughs> but no, yeah, I look at it I look at it from I look at it from that perspective because I think about it and and I even talked about it when I played Dread, when I finally had the opportunity to play Dread. What did I say? Yeah, Dread. Right. I I said it Met- challenged no, Metroid. You. Yeah, it I know challenged you. But Metroid Dread, what did I say? It's like Super Metroid but newer. Yeah, it challenges right. you. And that's what it may, and that's the thing is I look at that and how many, I think that's still more, I, I think one and two, I know I'm going to get a lot of blowback on this. One and two are huge foundational games for Zelda, but I think that's the that's the pioneering game that made it the franchise. It really. I had to mute Jay because he was about to say something that I don't, I can't allow on this podcast. No, anyway, I'm just kidding. Finish your I, I, it's more accessible. I agree. It definitely is more accessible. Mm-hmm. You don't need the map. There's a map in the game. If you didn't have, if you bought that first Zelda used or the second one, and you didn't have a book or you the little fucked. or the map or like a guide, okay, good luck. Or just a kid with no life that spent the last year playing it. Man, that um, that that cut me right to the core. But go ahead. <laughs> no, well, no, I mean I was there. Uh, no, I think I think Jay. So I don't think Jay's saying too much different than the other two uh, were saying. And honestly, uh, kind of to Jay's point, Super Metroid is to Metroid what uh, Link to the Past is to Zelda One. Absolutely. Like, I, yeah. So like they made it more accessible. They built out some ideas. They didn't have any troubles like playing around with more stuff that could totally not work. But they knew they were going to go for something really good, and even with the limitations, make them into features, not limitations. But I think I think you guys kind of hit on all the things. And the second way I want to ask the question is: Do you think that the stories from the other games enhance Link to the Past? Because that's that's where I was thinking is that like there's so many Zeldas, and I don't feel bad playing one after the other. Um, you know, I may get tired of the, the original Wind Waker from you know just so much time out on the ocean. But, or the C, the difference between what I said about Mega Man 2 and then just being inundated with two Mega Man is that with Zelda, like legitimately, all the other game's story make that game's story better because it enhances it. And it's like, oh, that is a callback. Or, you know, I, I love what they've, like, this is the origins, those sort of things. They play on that a lot. And Breath of the Wild is all nostalgia. I mean, there's legitimately, like, the Tinkle Islands, which, you know, mm-hmm. throw back to everybody's favorite character. <laughs> But so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, like I said, I don't want to draw this out too much and I already have, but that's, that's kind of how I was thinking about this. It does have a great nostalgia factor. It, it's a masterful um, understanding of getting people to have emotions. And this is where Marimoto's, you know, uh, focus on gameplay over story. Chrono Trigger is a great example of something where the story enhances the game. But if you just have slightly worse writing than the quality of gameplay, then it can hurt the game. Whereas, you know, you know, you can imprint on the original Legend of Zelda, whatever you want. Right. So I think that there's a lot to be said with that, that don't do a story unless it's going to be amazing. So let me ask you this. Sorry. Let me ask you a question. Sure. On a scale of one to five with five being the (laughs) highest and one being the lowest in increments of 0.5, 
Where would you rank this game? Uh, it's a Valdor special, a five. It's a five. <laughs> That's the new Valdor. Yeah. No, no, no. Valdor's yeah. going to chime um, in. Hell yeah, five. I mean, wait. <laughs> wait what? <laughs> He's going to say, don't use my name in vain or something like that. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> we we got to find the most 3.5 game ever and have Valdor on to do his review. So Mega like, Man yeah, 4. It's like... <laughs> It's like uh, when you take Napoleon, Neapolitan ice cream and stir it all together. It's a solid 3.5. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's a great game. Uh, loved it. There's so much there. Uh, they did so much with it. If you told me that this game was developed in three months, I would essentially quit my job and try to do something better with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I brought down the mood. Everybody was all jovial, making jokes, having fun. And everybody's like, well, I'm tired. Time to go. The proverbial turd in the punch bowl, John Young, the Casey masterpiece. No, anyway. Yeah. yeah Very exactly. good. I'm like that barbecue sauce that old men love. That's right. Because <laughs> you know why? Because it's good and it's so cheap. Nothing like an old, there's nothing an old man. The clove. Yeah, there's nothing an old man loves better than a good deal. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. I think, uh, yeah. I think uh, I agree with what you said and, uh, I don't really know what else to say about this game, so <laughs> I'm having really a hard time. My uh, my review. I'm having a hard time transitioning. Is there anything else going on, or are you good? No, I'm good. Uh, I think I think it's time to move on. I want to figure out if we're going to get all those fives. We're going to find <laughs> out very soon because it, after this, it's Clearus and it's Sashimi, and then then we'll know. All right. All right. Well, Good evening, gentlemen. Take care, John. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the parade, John. Retro game enthusiast, everybody. The barbecue pitmaster himself. The one come up with this shit. John Young. John gets one of those tonight. <laughs> Two of them. Listen, he earned it. He also dropped from our call, so now I don't have to redial in. Oh, hey, nice. That's cool. All right. So, we got Robbie? Yep, 5.0. Jay? 3.5, also known as a 5.0. AKA 5.0. Myself? 1,000.0. 1,000.0, but it averages out to 5 for this show. Yes. John has given it a 5.0. Yes. I think it's time we talk to the person who chose this game and see what they think. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to let him speak. Haven't we done that enough tonight? Mr. K- <laughs> I wish I wish you would just shut your yapper. Yeah, I wish you'd just <laughs> shut your big yapper. Exactly. Mr. Kiramonte. I, I just, I can't yell because yeah. everybody's asleep. <laughs> the, the beauty of this space down here is that there's nobody here and I'm downtown above a, an all-ages venue where they play punk rock sometimes. So I can be as loud as I want, and I can scream, and Jay, you can as well. What the fuck? <laughs> fuck off with the gods! Anyway, <laughs> so, Mr. Kiramonte, you're, you're the reason we're here today. You've chosen this game. I'd like to know what you think of it and how you would rate it. I give it a solid 3.5, and let me tell you why. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I I'm feel listening. Like, you know, yeah, no, I feel like 
5.0 mic drop, right? Like, it's not. It's what not do you say? What it, do you? It's, yeah. Like John it's, said, like you said, like I said, like Jay said, like everybody, everybody has said. What do you say? And I'm not trying to talk over you. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I. That's. No, it's. It's literally just like okay. <laughs> like yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Okay. Good. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, that's that's the game, right? Like, <laughs> it's historically important it's a great game playing through it from beginning to end again uh, a few weeks ago both surprised me in ways i wasn't expecting but also reminded me of how how good it was like i said i think the story kind of was a a lot of conflating of memories but you know there's just enough to kind of keep the thing the narrative structure going and for a Super Nintendo game, an early Super Nintendo game, it's a lot of story. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, five. But I mean, yeah, what else can you give it? So let me make sure I got this right. 5.0. Is that right? Correct. Okay, good. Okay, got it. Just making sure. Sounded like a five. <laughs> and you said five. Got one more. All right. So it's on to Sashimi Z. I think we're all eager to find out what our friend has to say. Not optimistic about sweeping the board here. All right. Doesn't matter because the infographic's not going to have a shit on it anyway. It's going to have clearances on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, fuck him. Anyway. this out if he gives it less than a, a 5.0. Okay. Sashimi Z did provide us a review, even though, again, will not be part of the infographic because we hate our friend and esteemed colleague, Mr. We'll put uh, it in the Caramonte. comments if it's good enough. Maybe. Let's see what it is. I, I might be able to add it in there. I don't know. It's only fair to him. Quote, Reviewing this game is pointless. You might as well pull the approval rating of pepperoni pizza and ice-cold pink lemonade at a pool party on a hot summer day. I apologize to the listeners for all the time that was wasted on these ratings 5.0, unquote. Okay. <laughs> it's fair. I, I, I do believe we could have literally just had a phone call where myself, Jay, Mike, John, Robbie, and maybe Sashimi Z all got on, and we said 1, 2, 3, and everybody said 5.0. So that's 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 five across the board. I woke up this morning, and I've been surprised by a couple things. But that was the least surprising thing that I think I would hear all day, is that everybody that was involved in reviewing this game enjoyed it. Were you were you more surprised that Robbie and I mended our fences today? No, I'm not surprised because I think deep down you guys have a, a insatiable love for each other. We do. So, all right, we gotta we gotta book through this because we've been on the phone here for quite some time. <laughs> Jay and Michael's walking around the creeping yeah, around the house. He's got to go silent. to bed. We're gonna we're gonna he's burn gonna through sleeping. the where can we play at speedrunning and collecting, which has its own gigantic page that I seem to have. There we go. There it is. Okay. Jay, where can you play this game today? Well, of course you can play it on the Super Nintendo. Correct. Or the SNES if you're in Europe. The Game Boy Advanced. Let me ask you a question. Advanced. I said advanced. Really? You always say advanced. Do you have to wait? After listening to this episode for a few months to be able to play it in Europe on the SNES, you probably will. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. So the Game Boy Advance, uh, that's the Four Swords, yes, right? The Game Boy Advance. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play that one unless you really like Game Boy Advance. Fair. Okay. I don't think anybody does. I like the Game Boy Advance of all the portable consoles. It's probably my favorite one because you know why? It's a portable Super Nintendo. So anyway. Mm. Fair. But they Jay. added the weird sound effects. I don't like I that. I know. Yeah. It's not the same. The Wii and the Wii U Virtual Console. The yes. The 3DS. The Super Nintendo Classic. Yeah. 
and the Nintendo Switch Online. I actually played on a so it actually it actually played very well. I played it on there as well using the Super Nintendo controller, and it was a stark contrast to trying to playing it to try to play it with a pro controller. I pro controller did. I it was I fine. Issue. But I'm going to tell you, playing it with the Super Nintendo controller, I played both. I played it on my console. Yeah, you know, I have I have it obviously. Duh, Daddy, duh. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. French man. <laughs> so fancy with my car hole. Anyway, so no, I I really enjoyed the experience of playing it on Nintendo Switch Online with the Super Nintendo controller. So, all right, collecting. I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly. There's a lot here, but I'm gonna make it brief. So there are two versions of this game on the Super Nintendo. There is the standard black box made in japan version and then there's the player's choice made in mexico majesco whatever i don't know if it's majesco but but whatever not majesco but it's yeah. same kind of cheap crap yeah it's it's cheap comparatively we, we we feel the the boxes are different the labels are different they the the color of the logo is like a deeper color on the player's choice it's more of like a brownish gold versus a goldish gold oh and, yeah, yeah and before we get into that one thing i have not talked about and there's one thing that i am upset about to this day that i think we can all agree on why the fuck is this game not in a gold cartridge why in the fuck it's a really good question what the hell man you had it for one you had it for two ocarina of time got it majora's mask got it and fucking everything got it but not this, not this one. Nope. Why? Can somebody answer that question for me? Because I'm 30 years later, I'm still like, why is this gray? I'll call me a motorcycle. Will you let him know that I'm upset about this and have been for quite I, some time? I will. That's a really good question, though, because it's not like they didn't do different colored cartridges for other they Super Nintendo They did a games. black one for Killer Instinct. They did red for Maximum Carnage and yeah. Doom. They did it. But not gold. It, I'm going to guess. Maybe it was that bromine shit that they had the problem with in the consoles that made them all brown. And they're like, ugh, we might paint mm-hmm. it and it could flake off because of this cheap plastic, you know, chemical we use. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. I really don't. I look over there and it's like, well, there's one. I can pick it out from here. There's two. I can pick it out. My collector's editions of Ocarina or Majora's Mask, no problem. I pick them out. But this game, what are you doing? Which fucking problem, Nintendo? Huh? It's the only thing that's wrong with this game is the cartridge that they put in was never gold. That's it. I'm going to get a loose one. I'm going to steam the sticker off it, and I'm going to paint it gold just for you. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to get you a gold Zelda cart. You're going to have a one of one. Of one. That, would be the, that would be the greatest gift. Karat gold. Yeah, it better be real gold, first of all. I agree. And, and uh, it would be the greatest gift anybody ever gave me. Okay, so... With all that aside, I'm sorry for the rant, but I feel it's justified here. Two versions, made in Japan, made in Mexico, player's choice, okay? The made in Japan, they're both about the same loose, about $35 loose. Complete in box, totally accessible game, okay? $175 for the made in Japan version, the standard version. The player's choice, about $125. Sealed, (laughs) good luck finding a raw sealed, (laughs) a link to the past, that somebody has not had graded and is attempting to profit off of. Standard issue. Player's choice, you can still find them for some about $750 to $1,000 raw. Okay. 
the population report for this game is, is kind of interesting because you get both the sealed and the CIB because it's such a popular, well-known game. People grade both, right? So I'm going to go over both, but I'm going to start with sealed and say there were 148 total copies of this game that were graded sealed by WADA. Pop quiz to everybody who's listening, okay, who's still with us on chat. Jay, Mr. Kiermonte, this is the second most graded SNES game of all time, Sealed. What is the first most graded game for the SNES Sealed ever? Uh, has to be something dumb. Um... Phalanx. It is not Phalanx. Final Fantasy 3. It is not Final Fantasy 3. Although, I will say this. You were on the right track. Okay. Chrono Trigger. No. Secret of Mana. Gane says John. I don't think there's 148 copies of that game in the world, according to everybody else. Oh, it's got to be Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. It is F-Zero. Really? Oh, God. And do you know why? It is not Earthbound. It is not Vegas Stakes. Vegas Stakes, it, multiple people said Vegas Stakes, which means that we have a number of people who collect video games and understand yeah. what gets sold and bought. <laughs> I think I have a sealed copy of Vegas Stakes, remember? <laughs> you got it from John and gave it back to yes. me because John's like, what do I do with this thing? It's in a bag, man. F-Zero, Player's Choice Edition of that game. There was so much dead stock of that game. It is, it is by far... I think by by fifty percent, seventy five percent more, it, that game has been graded the most. It's like the Gauntlet Legends, I think it is of Nintendo sixty four, where it's like, yeah, or Perfect Dark. It's like, yeah, there's there's billions of those. Okay, so anyway, second most graded, one hundred forty eight total. The breakdown of that is as follows: There's kind of four variants. There's the standard made in Japan. Okay, there's the player's choice. There's the, the made in Mexico, right? Yeah. There's the player's choice with an E rating. You rate so the MSRB, they started to do the rating. And there's a player's choice that has a KA rating as well. Okay, these are all the player's choice ones. You're right. So you've got the player's choice, the player's choice E rating, the player's choice KA rating. Of those, it's kind of weird. There's there's a lot of symmetry here. The made in Japan, the standard issue, 67 of those have been graded. The player's choice E rating, also 67. The standard player's choice with no MSRB rating, 7. And the standard, or the, the player's choice with KA rating, also 7. And the highest grades on all these are like 9.8 A plus or A plus plus, with, with the exception of the KA rating player's choice, which is 9.2 A. Right? So of all of them, it seems like that's the hardest to find and especially in good condition. CIB, a little bit different. Any, it, there's been 73 of the standard issue made in Japan versions of this rated at, uh, you know, and 9.8 being the highest grade, which I think is the highest grade you're ever going to get on any CIB. It's kind of shocking that it even exists, if you ask me. And then the player's choice E rating, there's been one graded and it was an eight. So one of these days, I'm hoping that thing pops up on Heritage Auctions and I can scoop it up for about a hundred bucks. <laughs> anyway. So, a little bit about sales of these these games graded. I'll be brief. Obviously, quite a popular game. I'm just going to go over a couple of sealed sales and, and kind of go through the time frame. I will start with CIB, though. A 9.2 CIB sold for $1,560 just a few months ago in November of last year. 
That is what? About a 90% uh, premium over a standard CIB at 175, mm-hmm. right? So you're in that, you're kind of in that wheelhouse. I can see that. I wouldn't pay that much money for a CIB copy of Zelda, but whatever. That's cool. Do your thing. So I'm going to go through these for, as, as they age, right? In, in, in July of 2021, right near the apex of the insanity, okay, as it related to collecting, a 9.2A plus of this game sold for $96,000. Now, keep in mind, the best grade is a 9.AA plus, of which there are two. Five months later, a 9.4A sold for $52,000, $52,800. So about a 40% drop for a better grade. Although if you over if you rate the seal as being better, it's not better. But I think most people would rather have the 9.4A. But I don't know. Who cares? That same 9.4A, three months later, not the same game. I can't tell you if it's the same game or not, but the same grade of that game, three months later, sold for 38400 So now you've dropped off precipitously, right? You're at like 60% of the original price of a 9.2A plus that sold you know, not even a year prior, and you're already at one, you know, two thirds of the price of one that sold with the exact same grade three months prior. Okay. Then a 9.2A, $12,000 in November of last year. So that tells me that between July 21st of 2021 and what, 15 months later, November of 2022, that dropped. The the math is about eighty yeah. percent, right? Somewhere in that neighborhood. It's I, I don't have that right in front of me, but holy cow! So people who want to talk about what great investments these things were, they lost their ass. Whoever paid ninety six thousand dollars for this thing, what almost two years ago now, lost eighty percent of their investment, seventy percent of their whatever it was. And will those things potentially go back up? I don't know. So, okay, I digress. Enough of all that shit. Let me do this about graded, sealed copies of Zelda A Link to the Past. And then you know what? That's what you want to collect? Collect it. But don't do it because you think you're going to get rich because those days are over. Just get a gold copy. Those days are over. Bootleg yourself a gold copy and you're good. Or you can wait 30 years and then when you're on your deathbed, maybe you'll sell it for a profit. There you go. Anyway, I digress. Ten bucks. Jay, talk to me about the speed running of this game and then we'll wrap up. Okay. We actually had a lot of runners on this one. 2,101 runners. We had 7,927 runs. Japanese version seems to be the preferred version of speed run. So uh, we got four runs we put on here. So we got no major glitches. We got restricted major glitches. Major glitches and then just miscellaneous, which is just kind of. I, I'm not going to put in the descriptions. If you want to read the descriptions of these run types, go to speedrun.com, plug in a link to the past, just search for it yep. and read about it because it's it's a little much to try and describe through an audible medium. <laughs> so yes, anyway, and it's splitting hairs. The glitches I, would not make sense. Right, anymore. no major glitches. I yeah. think everybody can understand what it is. But when you start to get like siloed versus restricted versus major, I'm like. What does that fucking mean? I don't even, I don't know what the glitches are. How can I describe them to somebody and then explain why this is better than that or faster or whatever? So that's true. So so go ahead. I just wanted to qualify that. (laughs) Excuse me. So no major glitches was actually done by um, Addy of of hell. Add of of hell. Yeah, add of hell. 
A-D-D-E-O-V-H-E-L-L. Yes. And that was one hour, 22 minutes, and 58 seconds. Standard run. Yep. Uh, restricted glitches. We got Chex Human. Probably doesn't like bold. Um, 21 minutes and 39 seconds. We got major glitches, which is Hadarubita. Yeah. Hadarubi underscore ta. Yes. Which is 12 minutes even. Mm-hmm. And then we've got miscellaneous, which is Airier. Airier, yeah. Which is 47 minutes and 29 seconds. I also saw some speed runs where people were completing this game in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Which so, sounds insane to me. It's, it, you, well, it, good. It is. It, no, it I was going to say, I mean, they're actually not, I mean, they're glitching to the end, but they're not defeating the bosses or anything. It, it's like beating, have you seen the Breath of the Wild speed runs where they beat the game in like 20 and 30 minutes? Yes. It's oh, it's it's you're literally breaking the game and doing these things and and like you're beating you're beating cal- like calamity Ganon and all that with like three hearts. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of insane. But, but but there they're actually beating it at least. They're not just that's like true. skipping to the credits. That's true. You're 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 right about that. So all right, that's a little bit about the speed running. I know it's a little vague, but it's getting late here and also there's a lot of nuance around these that i don't think translates to the audible format so well, even watching some of the glitches on the speed runs i was kind of like what in the fuck is going on yes because it's like oh this yeah. is just a staticky image of one of the one of the castles and i'm like i i don't really know what's going on the next thing you know they're hitting a boss not that you need me to validate this but we all felt that way okay <laughs> you're you're dead on but your right. fair assertion like what well, the all fuck those are happened? from speedrun.com very very true yes i think it's time to wrap up the show okay i want to start by saying mike you've been a wonderful guest as always i appreciate you being available being accessible and and just you know being a friend thank you i appreciate you taking the time to do this game in particular i know it was a little bit daunting but i think we did a good job it's as good a job as we're going to do and if people don't like it i don't really care (laughs) <laughs> I liked it and I enjoyed having you here. So thank you very much. Now, the next game we're going to do. Are we doing an NES game? Yep. Oh. We're not going to, are we doing, we're not going to do a, a super NES game. Nope. Is it going to be a game that everybody's going to like? Yep. Okay. So <laughs> February 29th, two weeks from today, we'll do Contra for the NES. And I know we're really, reaching with some of these games we are we're really getting abstract and going non-linear you know not mainstream we want to get those games that people like the spike mcfangs you know or or the the contras of the world <laughs> sorry tried to say it with a straight face but yeah we're gonna do we contra. Just pull an audible and do akari warriors instead <sighs> I so we're gonna kid. do we're gonna do contra if we're doing Akari Warriors, I would much rather do Gunsmoke than Akari Warriors. Ooh, Gunsmoke's a good Someday. Game. You know what's on? It's on the NES. No. There's, they got lots Get of games. Out of here. There's at least a few more. Oh. So, Jay, why don't you tell the people listening to us now where they can find us? Did you know that we had a link tree? Chance is excited. Of course he has. It's a link tree. He's got to let his mom know about this. So if you do want to use our link tree or utilize our link tree. How would you access this? You would go to linkter.e. Yeah. <laughs> linkter.e. 
forward slash lost joystick. Very good. Or you can just go to the regular sites individually. And what are those? Well, our social, for our social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter is lost joystick. And then Facebook and Twitch is lost joystick network. And then our email is info at lostjoysticknetwork.com. Before I wrap up completely, I'm going to say, I did go give our link tree a little bit of a facelift. Oh. I modified it a little bit. One thing I realized, email is not there. Although I did add a link for people to leave us a voicemail. Hmm. So there you go. So, so Mr. Kiramonte, thank you for joining us, Clearvis. Fun fact, he is only the third guest we've had on more than once. Yeah. Well, I feel honored. We're glad you're here, and thank you for joining us. Jay. My pleasure. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. I try to be here on time. You, you're always a little bit late, but I assume that's going to be the case. So with that, I want to say, hurry up and go out there and have fun. Be safe and be excellent to each other.